Welcome to episode of Center Nation. My name is Brand Sparks. And here on Center Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories in them. And today I'm joined by David Glenn the Fourth, returning. Back. Yeah, we're we'll we'll work out the kinks to the intro now. You're you become more consistent every month now. Um but David David's here with me today. We're in the apartment. There's construction above us. It's gonna be crazy. We'll see how if I can fix it in the in the in editing. Fix it in Bose. If I'm if, if you don't hear anything, then I'm really good at sound. If you do hear stuff, my apologies. Um, There's nothing you can do. We're the, yeah, we're in the apartment today talking about. Uh, we're continuing our discussion this month about romantic or rom coms because we've because the distinction. Thomas has laid a, a, a distinct line of a rom com versus a romantic comedy. Um, I think I think what he kind of mean it's like and you've listened to both episodes yeah. so it's like it, it, it's the idea of like some romantic comedies delve into dramatic fields a little bit or aspects. sure like the or just the comedy doesn't feel as um uh like as much of in the forefront as like yeah, yeah. so rom coms always seem to have like gags that I don't think would fly in like like if we're looking at like the seventies kind of romantic comedies like a lot of those yeah you, you know. Slapstick yeah. kind of gags, you know, or or uh, physical comedy gags, you know, wouldn't really. Yeah, and fun. also like I think as Thomas and I talked about, it was this idea of there's got to be some sort of like not outlandish hook, but some sort of hook that, oh, in the that brings line. you yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Well, like this for example, you know, I mean, it's 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 like uh, this is probably a more grounded premise than some yes. of the oddies, yes. you know. Um, rom coms, yeah, but um, but it's still like uh, I mean, it's kind of a goofy idea of like, yeah, yeah. This, this wedding singer that can't yes. get married. You know, it's a wedding singer who wants to get married yeah. who gets left yeah. the altar. Right, that's right. the premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah. he sees everybody else so happy, and you know, that's and his it, job job to see everybody. You know, not only that, but like in you know, uh, fuel the joy at, yep. at the weddings. So exactly. So. It's it's not the uh, the the McConaughey movies where it's the Hallows yeah. uh, Gone Ten Days where it's. Uh, um, failure to launch. Failure, fair launch was going to say, um, um, which that feels like a very oddies premise, you know. Well, failure yeah, to launch, yeah, which I haven't seen, but just from what I've read. Well, that's <laughs> the one where it's like the it's Terry Bradshaw. Um, who's the mom? Is it Diane Weiss that's the mom? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, family, Diane, but but basically, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they they hire. I'm gonna look this up now. They they hire Sarah Jessica Parker, um, to basically. Have him fly the the chicken coop. Huh? Kathy Bates, that's yeah. what it was. Sorry. Oh, it's Kathy Bates. Bates. My apologies to Diane Weiss oh, and Kathy Bates. It's been a long time since that movie. I saw this in theaters. If I'm not mistaken. Interesting. Um, yeah, they um, hey, they hire, they hire Sarah Jessica Parker to try to convince, basically, have her have her son fall in love with her. So he'll move out, right? Yeah, have their son <laughs> fall in love with her, so he'll move out of their place so they can have like their own life. Is what it is. So they can be um, empty nesters, yeah. Exactly, and he's because McConaughey's thirty-five years old and <laughs> is still living there, and was a big hit. It was a big hit. Um, you know, I feel like that, that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, you know uh, even even more like uh, more millennials will connect to that as as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, as the housing well, market now, continues, yeah. To- it's like now it's not, that that premise is kind of like that's reality. What are you talking about? Um, now it's kind of like no, live there, like yeah. We're now multi generational home is right. what it's going to be, right. um, but yeah, you had those movies in that in the kind of mid two thousands and and kind of the, or it's the if it's like the one that's kind of in, that Thomas and I we mentioned a few times like the Ugly Truth where it's the Gerard Butler ones where it's like 
Gerard Butler and Catherine Heigl. Right, which is just a, an interesting pairing. And, and, it's trying, and, and some of those like trying to be more more raunchy, yeah. and they try to be more like adult. And there's is, is there one with like an action bent? I feel like I've seen the Bounty Hunter. Oh yeah, yeah Gerard yeah, Butler yeah, yeah, and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably several of them, but that's yeah. just the one because we're talking and about Gerard Butler. Head, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do now that I've like been watching more rom coms, I kind of want to see Gerard Butler in a rom com. Like that, that that idea can, intrigues me. I mean, I don't hate Gerard Butler. I like Gerard oh, Butler. Oh, me too. It's just like yeah. I, I picture him as that like rough action guy. So it's yeah, like funny yeah. to me that he he was <laughs> genuinely a romantic lead. For, it was romantic, yeah. <laughs> for he, multiple. Was, he was in another movie, not a romantic comedy, but a, a romantic kind of I guess made dramedy was the P.S. I Love You one. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I, I've never seen it, but where I remember that. Where he dies yeah. and and she has to like is, she's and she, she like she goes to Ireland because I think he's Irish. And I don't know if he's actually he's actually Scottish. I think. Now I'm just going to start looking stuff up like this. Um. That's so why we need the intern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's Jamie? <laughs> um, yeah, he's either, either Scotland Island where, where like he she goes there like basically have a, like she tries to um, uh, kind of move on with her life and he's kind of helping her in some way like letters that he wrote her or whatever. Anyway, um, I get that confused with that and leap year. I'm kidding because leap year I think is Ireland and P.S. I love you is Scotland. Leap years. Have you have you seen leap year? Seen leap That's year. very much a rom com where it's like. I don't, think, I don't know if I saw this movie. I just know the premise where it was like she, um, Amy Adams, like she, Leap Year. I think it was an island where like you can only like women can propose to their a woman, woman can propose to promote propose to a man on like February 29th of a leap year. Oh, that's what it is. It's something like that. <laughs> so it's a loophole. It's a loophole, and I think she's gonna do it to her her longtime boyfriend or whatever. But then she like falls in love with someone else, and yeah. and that's kind of the the conflict of the movie. Um, Anyway, but yeah, so that these rom coms they have these kind of weird, they have these kind of uh, 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 unique premises. They're only found in kind of that genre. Um, they're more lighthearted uh, compared to like um, a romantic comedy, romantic dramedy, um, which tend to be more you know gra- yeah. grounded. It's and, like and realistic, yeah. And rom coms, it's like uh, there. It's like we we kind of mentioned kind of screwball stuff this past month because there's there's an intri- it's like screwball it's romantic rom coms like our kind of version of what rom coms are nowadays, I think are just a descendant of like the screwball comedy where sure. it's, that's a little bit more slapsticky and a little more outlandish and where rom com is like somewhere in the middle right basically, um, and with today's movie with the wedding singer, um, it's kind of one where it. It's you kind of see that unevenness um, of it trying to be a slapstick comedy, maybe like a screwball comedy, but also be kind of a sweet and charming yeah. rom-com. And I, I mean, I think a large part of that is like like Sandler's humor in the 90s, you know? Yes. Uh, I think, and but I think it ba- balances that. It balances that in an interesting way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that's the thing is like... I, I, you know, I watched a lot of Sandler's movies growing up. Yes, but I kind of avoided this one because I expected it to be more of yes. of a romantic comedy, I suppose, yes. as opposed to a, a rom com with a lot of Sandler's style of humor yeah. in it. So I feel like I would have enjoyed this as good. But the the irony of that was I I really enjoyed Fifty First Dates as a kid as well, which yeah. I think write, writes a similar tonal line. It does, yeah, and also probably uneven. So it's funny because you, you you skipped ahead of that as yeah. like you've never seen this movie before. No, no, not until uh, like a to this weeks podcast. Ago. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've seen this movie countless times. Yeah, it's, was this in your kind of Sandler rotation? As oh a, yeah, yeah. yeah this I mean, it was, was on cable all the time. I feel. Like. I mean, like it wasn't, it wasn't Billy Madison or Happy right. Gilmore because Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, 
as a kid who grew up in the 90s with a bunch of like like elementary school middle school kids especially in middle school like we liked dumb Adam Sandler sure, movies. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like that's that's the blunt. I feel like that's a rite of passage, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's like you, you like Billy Madison. But he even Madison. kind of pushed it into the oddies, you know. Like even yes. I grew up with some that were like coming out yes. while I was in elementary and, and middle school. Yeah. Yes, we're not yeah. that different, that yeah. much different yeah. in age. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I mean, like I saw Big Daddy in theaters yeah, when it yeah. came out. I I saw the Water Boy in theaters at the Bama Six. I can distinctly remember that. <laughs> um, and. Uh, it was that was just part of it, and Sandler. I mean, I've always wanted to do this is a whole side thing, but I've always wanted to do like a, a podcast or something about like looking at the and we're kind of doing it today with Sandler of like looking at specific comedians and like their rise. Mm. And like some people kind of forget how big certain comedians are yeah. at a period. Like, like, I mean, you look at his like night, like his mid to late 90s run, it's pretty yeah. insane. I mean, even s- into the early 90s. Yeah, I mean, Sandler, you got to look at this point, is that Sandler is kind of taking the torch from Jim Carrey at the end of these this 90s period. Is that Carrey had this, honestly, phenomenal run. I yeah. talked about this recently on like Twitter. Like, like his run, I think it's 94, where he does Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all in the same right. year. And like... He hasn't really made him like he's just coming off in living color, and he does all three of those movies, and you're just like, this is insane because they. I think, I think Ace Ventura was the lowest grossing movie of that three trio, but it was like eighty million, and like, God, I feel like Mask was in the two hundred million range yeah. or more. Um, Dumb and Dumber was big, like it was like he was just, and then he gets Batman Forever right after that, like he was on kind of this just like. Meteoric rise, uh, yeah, yeah. Meteoric rise, and Sandler is kind of the next in line. And you have like Myers is kind of there. He's kind of hopping around. He does Wayne's World here, mm-hmm. and he does Austin Powers, and Austin Powers is kind of coming at this point. But well, of course, Chris Farley as well. But Farley, know, Farley, Farley has died. I yeah. think this movie comes out in '98, and Farley yeah. has died in '97, I believe. Um, but yeah, Farley is kind of one where he never reaches. I think because he was supposed to be in Shrek right. was the big thing, and like. You see something like that, and there's a few movies he was rumored for where it could have been a very different uh, career right. and life for Chris Farley if that happened. But anyway, um, but yeah, for The Wedding Singer today, for those who know what The Wedding Singer is about, um, it is about Robbie Hart, this wedding singer in New Jersey, set in 1985, and Robbie is engaged to be married to his, his, uh, his fiance Linda, and Linda... Leaves him at the altar. This man who's always wanted to get married since he was in third grade, I believe. Um, this sing- this man whose weddings have become a- an integral part of his life. He is now being left at the altar. Um, but at but kind of the aftermath of that, he strikes up a relationship with a waitress um, that's at the rental space where they have a lot of the weddings at. Um, and the waitress is played by uh, Drew Barrymore. Her character name is Julia. Um, it also stars Christine Taylor. Um, who I, who is known for movies like The Brady Bunch, um, and Zoolander and Dodgeball. I remember her from Hey Dude. Uh, this is Never probably this. too. This is this is uh, this is out of your. This is almost out of my time. I I caught like the end of it. So Hey Dude, brief breakdown. Hey Dude, yeah, because that came out. It only came out after I was like, uh, I mean, it came. I think it ended. Yeah, it ended. Uh, um before I was even born. Um, but it was on 
Nickelodeon all the time. And Hey Dude was like this Western comedy show, like for kids. Interesting. Um, and it was like for teens, and they worked at this like dude ranch, um, dude ranch in like Arizona or something like that. But she was one of the the character, the actresses on it, and so that's why I remember her from. Shout out 90s, 90s kids. Um, yeah, someone made a comment about that with Nickelodeon. I don't know if you had this, where like Nickelodeon shows and things like that, even Disney, were like they just ran these shows so much that you don't realize, like, oh, it was only like two years worth of shows. Right. Yeah, but they just had reruns for, <laughs> had reruns for, years. for years. It's like someone made a comment about Salute Your Shorts. I was like, yeah, Salute Your Shorts ran for one season, and <laughs> everyone has seen every single episode of that show Multiple so many times. times. Yeah. And Hey Dude, like, Hey Dude, it's like, it ran for five seasons, technically, that only ran for two years. Oh, wow. So they had 65 episodes. 65 episodes was kind of the deal with those kids' TV shows where um, if it goes over 65 or whatever, it goes into syndication, so it's more money. So a lot of times, um, uh, kind of like Disney or Nickelodeon will cancel those shows when they hit 65. Oh, wow. That's kind of the Unless magic number. Unless they're like making them insane. Uh, yes. Money. So that was the big thing on Disney Channel with, I think, Lizzie McGuire. Was that it hit sixty five and they canceled it? And oh, but they made and the movie, right? And they, were, they made the movie. Yeah. And the initial thing was they're gonna do the movie, and if the movie was a big enough hit, they're gonna take it over to um, ABC, and it was gonna be Lizzie McGuire in high school. Oh, interesting. Was the plan? But yeah. there's issues where I think there's Hillary Duff had issues. Her because her mom was kind of heading it up. Where like they, I believe this is what happened. It's in the Disney War book that I have over there. Um, about how, like, if Liz McGuire made a certain amount of money, Hillary Duff would get, like, a bonus or whatever. It never hit that, and it just became, like, negotiations for oh, yeah. um, uh, the Liz McGuire show. And so when I, not to not to discredit anyone, like, Hillary Duff or whatever, but I remember when they did the Liz McGuire, tried to reboot, and stuff happened. I was like, yeah, this always happens. They're always, like, trying to make the next show, but something gets in the yeah. way of the no- negotiations. Um uh, with those, but anyway, um, I think Hollywood politics. Yeah, I think man. that's so. Raven was the one that broke that streak where it was so popular it went to like a hundred episodes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Wedding Singer. <laughs> we're not talking about that. My apologies. Um, and so yeah, and so those are kind of the cast. It also stars um, Alan Covert, who plays Sammy, the limo driver, who is who is uh, Robbie's mm-hmm. best friend. Um, Angela Featherstone, who plays uh, Linda, Robbie's fiance. Matthew Glave, who plays Glenn Gulia. Um, Julia Drew Barrymore's uh, fiance in this movie, um, and the movie was directed by Frank Corsi, Frank Corsi, and they're written by Tim Hurley. Yeah, you said you hadn't seen it before until until it's viewing. I'd seen this, like I said, several times over the year. It's also it's one of those that's always put on TBS. Like, yeah, it was it's, on it's, all it's, the time. It's a big cable movie, and um, I think I just saw "Wedding" in the title, and I was like, eh. And you're you were listening to Nirvana. You didn't want to get into that. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't watching Sandler movies at that. point. I mean, yeah, because I, I feel like at that you were point, the brooding dude. Yeah. I got you. But I feel like at that point, Sandler had kind of he'd hit that era where you know, like cause it was the grown. When I was listening to Nirvana, it was like the grown ups era, and like you know, the, yeah. <laughs> which you know, I saw grown ups too. So I was working at the movie theater when that came. Yeah, out. I saw grown ups too. I saw, I saw grown ups too. Uh, I got paid to see grown ups too. Oh wow, it still was not worth. <laughs> yeah, I saw grown ups. This is. I can't believe I remember this. I saw Grown Ups in Orlando at like Universal City yeah. Walk. We were on vacation for some reason. We went to a movie and we said saw Grown Ups. Um, yeah, that was kind of the that back part of Sandler where 
he was still bit and Grown Ups was a massive hit, so it's not like he he went. Oh no, off. no, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying. But that. it's just like it wasn't it wasn't what I'd like grown up. Yeah, watching, you know? I, I think sometimes again I want to kind of bring this in the context of Sam. I think sometimes we forget or some people forget how big he was, and we'll we'll talk about this yeah. kind of the entire time because of his Netflix deal. Is that right? You think about it, Uncut Gems was the last movie that that Sandler released in theaters, probably. Um, but I do want to watch that hustle. I've heard hustle's really good. I, I like yeah, hustle yeah. a lot. So Netflix. Well, I've heard his performance really good. He, he is really good in it. Um, but I look at I look at that and I go, people forget that he was like a box office sensation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, but all in, of his movies now are just released to streaming. Yeah. Well, he kind of had that run before that, before the Netflix deal, where it was like people were joking, like, "Oh, he's just going on vacation." You yeah. Know, blend, blended. Blended. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Which is that Drew Barrymore too, or is that it's the, Drew Barrymore? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Drew, they, they've done three movies together. Yeah, but like Ridiculous Six thing is the first one in that Netflix deal in 2015, and pretty much since then, we have not had an, an Sandler comedy released in theaters since Pixels in 20, 2015. I forgot about Pixels. That's I was also working at the theater yeah. when that came out. So that means we haven't seen a, a Sandler comedy in theaters in seven. Years, I can tell you right now. I said, I said, I said in the beginning, like early version of the show when Ben and I were on here together, and it was like, I think the Sandler deal is probably one of the best investments Netflix ever did. Oh, for sure. And um, they even say they get viewership yeah. about the ass on this movie. Yeah, like his, his movies play so yeah, well. Yeah. Like, but it's it's just it's. But it's also like you're saying they have that kind of. Um, uh, I mean, it's not a monopoly, but they have that. They yeah, have that property. That, you know, yeah, that IP, it has, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, he was at Sony yeah. before, and he had just a lot of movies at Sony. But yeah, now it's it's all just the stuff he does. It's insane. But like, yeah, he had that period where he was always kind of like plays with the idea of going a little bit dramatic yeah. or whatever. If you have things like Funny People or Prince Drunk Love, or at that point when he right before he went to Netflix, it was uh, Men, Women, and Children, which. He is the best part of that movie, in my opinion. Uh, the Cobbler, which people hated, but I didn't really hate. I thought he was actually pretty good in it. Um, well, I think I think with that one, at least from what I remember, they they kind of people thought it was going to be like a Sandler comedy, and, and it's, it's not. not yeah. It's not. It's but not I haven't seen. I haven't seen it, but I remember like the when it came out. People, I think that was their reaction. I'm not like, saying it's like great, but I remember like people hating it. Like, yeah. oh my god, this is horrible. And I watched. I was like, it's not bad. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's hard to forget just where Sandler was at in this period. And we'll dive into that today. Um, so, so yeah, let's dive into this kind of, kind of this production. So since we're talking about the wedding singer, I think it's important, as I said, to give you backstory on Adam, the Sandman Sandler. Um, I love that. That's his nickname. The Sandman. Yeah, it's great. Uh, he did an interview when he, cause he was recently on the ARP cover, like magazine cover. He goes, old Sandman on the cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> So for almost the past decade, as his, most of his movies were on Netflix, um, it's easy to forget. Yeah, I just I wrote everything that I just said. Um, but, but I mean, I, I do think that context is important. It's important, yeah. yeah. And so you have to realize how big of a star he was, and the wedding singer is a key factor in why he became as big as he did. Um, before he was singing as Robbie Hart in Weddings and Bar Mitzvahs for this retro 80s film, Sandler was just a young boy from Brooklyn, New York. At the age of six, his family moved to New Hampshire, where he lived until graduating high school. I think I think some of his family still lives there. I think his brother does. Um, his mother was a nursery school teacher, and his dad was an electrical engineer. 
Once he finished high school, Sandler would move back to New York to attend NYU and attend NYU Tisch School of Fine Arts. During his time there, he would make some key friendships that would greatly affect his career, or maybe it's better to say he would greatly affect theirs. First, he met his college roommate, Tim Tim Hurley, uh, another young man from Brooklyn. And while Sandler was studying acting at Tisch School of Fine Arts, Hurley was studying accounting and international business. Oh, really? Uh, during their sophomore year, Sandler and Hurley would begin attending comedy clubs in New York where Sandler would perform and Hurley would help Sandler with writing jokes for his sets. And so even though he was on a career path to be an accountant, he loved comedy. Um, also during this time, Frank met or Sandler met Frank Corsi, another t- NYU Tisch student who grew up in Long Island. And he also met Alan Covert, a theater student at NYU who was originally from Palm- West Palm Beach, Florida. So after they all graduated in 1988, they would begin their respective careers. Um, while Hurley would work as an accountant for a year before studying law at NYU, Sandler would have quick success as an actor, appearing in the Cosby Show for four episodes. Oh, yeah, four episodes. All right, the Cosby he show. did. He well, he he was he was um, he was uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner's. Um, uh, like back, like friend, I think is what it was. And the, so he was the, the older son's best friend Interesting. Um, in the Cosby show. Um, and he would eventually move to Los Angeles where he would continue doing stand-up. There he would meet future director Judd Apatow, yep. who was also doing stand-up at that time. And I think had just dropped out of USC, I believe. And they would soon become roommates. And while performing in LA, Sandler was seen by SNL cast member Dennis Miller. And Miller, who was the Weekend Update host during a good portion of the late 80s and the 90s, uh, saw Sandler and then recommended him to SNL producer and creator, Lauren Michaels. And Sandler would then be cast on SNL in 1990, only two years after graduating from school. And well, put- he, his was one of those DVDs, you know, the mm-hmm, best of SNLs. Mm-hmm. I, had, I, had, I had his. Uh, oh god! Yeah, he had so some great many, skits on there. Man. I had so many best of SNL. Yeah. I had Chris DVDs. Farley. I had. I think Will Ferrell had two. Will Ferrell two. had two. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. Both of those. yeah, he had two. I had those. I had Belushi, Aykroyd, uh, Radner, Murphy, um, SNL Christmas, SNL Halloween, uh, the SNL Five Years. I had. I had when they, when they start coming out in seasons. They start. I had a right. bunch of SNLs. Yeah. I, I think at one point I had a crate just of SNL DVDs. Was the thing. Mike Myers, Dana Carvey. Yeah. Um, Molly Shannon. Anyway, um, so he'd be cast, and and, and I think it's funny too because Sandler said, hey, he, I can go find it in an interview. He talked about how like his NYU, one of his NYU teachers, like basically took him aside and like bought him a drink one night. He's like, hey, I think acting's right. not not for you. Yeah, and well, he's mentioned that I think quite a bit recently yeah. in interviews. And he's never yeah. bitter. That's yeah. why yeah, I find yeah, so yeah, funny yeah. about Sandler. And I think that's also what, what's endearing, kind of about Robbie sometimes in this movie is that. Even when like shit's been terrible for him, yeah. he's still with him and Linda. The scene when he, with him and Linda, when Linda Lily, that's the day after mm-hmm. she's left him at the altar, he's still like, "Well, we can fix this." Like he's still like wanting to try it. Is yeah. the thing? Well, I think I, I think you're touching on a very important point. Is that Sandler is really great at playing underdogs? Yes. And I think in his kind of weaker stuff that we were talking about, kind of like the grown ups era, yeah, he's not. He's no longer playing no longer the underdog. underdog. You know. It's, but you look at all of his '90s comedies, he, yeah. or even the early '80s stuff. Like he's he's always playing that guy, and you always root for him. And even in Uncut Gems, you know, even yeah. even though I've seen it like three times now, and every time I know what's coming, I'm still rooting for him. In but the ta- it takes yeah, that persona. It takes know? that persona and flips it. Right, is the thing. Right. That's always yeah. the key. Yeah. But yeah, if you look at Big Daddy, where Big Daddy, he's yeah. a talented lawyer who doesn't want to do law. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. Right. He's quit doing law. Um, Waterboy, he's 
a talented football player that everyone makes fun of basically. Um, and, and here, what was the, what was the Brandon Fraser comment where he's like, they're not underdogs. They're hero heroes that no one sees their full potential or something. something Yeah. Uh, yeah, I butchered that, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, no, it's, it's, it's like heroes with potential that no one sees. But Uh, I think, but I, yeah, but it's like, uh, but he, he, he does a good job in these performances of, of, um, Getting us to root for him, you know. By, exactly. By the end of the that's season. what, yeah, and that's what the key of his thing is that, and also it's as Paul Thomas Anderson did in Punch Drunk Love. It's the key is finding the even though with all that there is an anger bubbling sure. underneath it, and you have to which he uses well for comedic effects yeah, as well. In this, <laughs> which in this we'll movie, too, yeah, it's it's great yeah. in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. It's great here. Well, and we'll Happy Gilmore too. He kind of has the yeah. is, is oh, your home. <laughs> Or, or even home. anchor management, um, which I know is like a lesser, you know, yes. considered a lesser. Saw that but theaters too. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that one played on FX a lot. Oh yeah, well, that, that, well, that was because, yeah. that was because they had the TV show for it with Charlie Sheen. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah, I, uh, I mean, I do like that that dynamic of Nicholson and, and Adam Sandler. And, I think yeah. that's interesting. I think that's one why I just put on one night late when I, I was like just ran. I was like, why am I put on anger management? But <laughs> we're doing it. I mean, it's it's watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, so he, yeah, so basically the professor told him backtrack that. First time acting's not for you and blah blah blah. But and I wonder if that fueled him in a way, you know? It might have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sam was yeah. just like, Oh yeah, okay, buddy. Um things that he saw him later and like was kinda like, Hey, good seeing you, like, hey. <laughs> um But yeah, so while he worked on SNL, he still would collaborate with Tim Hurley on his sketches and ideas, and soon Sandler would get him a job as a writer on the show. Now, Sandler was a part of that popular early nineteen nineties cast that had holdovers from the eighties. And so it was an interesting mix of like Mike Myers and Dan Carvey and Chris Farley and Phil Hartman and David Spade, Chris Rock, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Sandler, uh, Sandler along with Farley, however, would eventually be fired from SNL in 1995 because NBC executives were unhappy with both of them. I never knew that. And their antics apparently on set. And while, Oh, okay. Yeah. Apparently they didn't like how they, just how they were essentially, uh, and while Lauren Michaels was a fan of both of them, he was in hot water due to poor ratings at that time, so he couldn't fight the firing. It's interesting to think about with SNL, because I feel like every time there's like a new generation of cast, everybody's like, "Oh, this is like the worst yeah, cast." Yeah, there you was know. there was a big there was a big article. I think it was like Time or something around this time where they had a person on set who was like just they thought it was gonna be like a good like puff piece yeah and it ends up being just like what's happening over at snl and like <laughs> you're like oh shit and that was like, and that was kind of the domino effect of why those two guys get get fired but what helped luckily for sandler he was still appearing in movies kind of during his little snl run he had done Airheads with Brendan Fraser a few years before and Steve Buscemi. Um, what a trio. And also David Arquette, who's... who's oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Alexa Arquette in this. Um, but his first big starring role came with Billy Madison, which I believe was was released before his firing. So, like, he he didn't have much of a, a gap, basically. Because um, it was, re- like, February of 95 is when it was released. Um, but it was co-written by Sandler and Hurley. The film being a modest success, grossing $26 million against a $10 million budget. His next film, Happy Gilmore, released in 1996, so a year later, also written by Sandler and Hurley, would also be a success, grossing $41 million against a $12 million budget. And with these successes, Sandler would begin or began to gain traction and create a freedom in Hollywood. So for his next movie, uh, Sandler pitched, pitched Hurley an idea about a wedding singer who gets left at the altar by his fiance. 
that's all Sandler had. <laughs> Hurley would begin working on ideas for a script, and during this time, he was listening to a radio show, which is an early form of a podcast, um, called Lost in the 80s. And Hurley thought it might be fun to set the film in the 1980s because of all the stuff he was hearing on the show. Um, it was also around this time that Adam Sandler met Drew Barrymore. And Barrymore loved Sandler's work, and she said uh, they should make a movie together, and she believed they were cinematic soulmates. That is a quote, cinematic soulmates. Um, so with this possible pairing in mind, Hurley began writing the script, and initially the script was going to have a similar tone as Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, this more slapstick comedy tone. But with the addition of Barrymore and also Hurley's real-life marriage at the time, the tone began to change, going from a straight comedy to a romantic comedy or a rom-com. And now, since Sandler was beginning to have some clout, as I said, he was able to get his NYU pal, Frank Corsi, to direct the movie. And since graduating from NYU, Corsi had only directed one small indie film called Murdered Innocence, which came out, I believe, in 96, which, if you go to the Wikipedia page, there's literally nothing on that page except the poster and that it was released there was no cast names really on it like nothing no one i could see was big in it um i wonder if cinephile has it i gotta check <laughs> um uh Corsi said he was attracted to the project because he said he'd gone through a bad breakup a few years prior and he remembers how depressed he was laying in bed not being able to move from it and he said now after being away from it for a few years he could find it funny and laugh at it. But he said if he if it had come along a little bit earlier, he wouldn't have been able to make it because it had been too depressing. Um, when kind of coming up with the idea for the feel of the movie, he wanted to be kind of like a John Hughes type film. Oh, interesting. Um, Sandler was also able to get his other NYU pal, Alan Covert, to be cast in the role of Sammy Limo Driver. Um, Sandler had been trying to get Covert in bigger roles uh, in his earlier films, like in Billy Madison, but he didn't get cast really in that, I don't think. But there was always studio pushback about casting this unknown actor. Yeah, well, it, because his friend in Billy Matt, uh, it's yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's Norm McDonald's one of the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, no. But uh, I, I, I mean, I think yeah, I, I think he was successful like later on, you know, and because mm-hmm. I mean, I've obviously Grandma's Boy. You love Grandma's yeah. Boy. Yeah. I know that's <laughs> one that, that was a big video store rental right there. Yeah, uh, or Comedy Central. Uh, but I mean, he's in him and um, Dante are in a lot of the same yes, movies, even and, in just like minor. And roles. Dante was one of his buddies yeah. again, uh, Peter Dante, I believe yeah. uh, that pops up in here, and there's an, he has a bigger part in Waterboy as the QB, and he's in Big Daddy as one of his good friends, and yeah, and and kind of ever and then anytime after that. Um, but now with Covert, Covert had played the caddy in Happy Gilmore, his kind of like mute, homeless caddy is what it is. That's right. I completely yes, forgot about him because with, yeah. with the beard. And yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. But now he was able to get a sizable part and where he could speak a lot. Right. Um, Not that. I mean, we'll talk about it later. But he has a very emotional moment in the he movie. He does. Yeah. He does. Um, but because this movie was more of a romantic comedy with a big female part, because there really hadn't been much of a female perspective in many of the, the previous two Sandler movies. Sure, I mean, he always has kind of that romantic lead, yeah, but, there's, but it's not like of this. Yeah. Of this. yeah. And I mean, and also I keep saying like we, the movie we keep forgetting too, that it's not really feel like a Sandler movie. It feels just more like Sandler's in it is a movie called bulletproof with, I haven't seen it, but yeah, I've seen it. But is it an action movie? Yeah, it's yeah. a buddy cop. It's kind of a buddy cop who's, movie. Who's the, the Damon Wayans. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damon Wayans. That feels like a, very, I think Damon Wayans is like goes undercover um, and becomes Sandler's friend. And then Sandler finds out he's a cop. And then 
it's very much like a 48 hours type thing right. where like Wayne's now needs Sandler to help him with his crime. And Sandler's like, you screwed me over. Like I'm in jail because of you, etc. Um, but anyway, that came out around this time too. Um, but because I said, because of the female perspective of Barrymore's character, Julia, they needed someone to come in and kind of amp up that role. So they would hire a script doctor to do uncredited work on the, on the script specifically for Barrymore's character. And that script doctor would be Carrie Fisher. No way. And this is now Fisher's second appearance on the show this month after her performance in When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, she's um, great in that movie. She's great in that movie. And, and but so, she was, I mean, like, uh, that's something that's not as discussed as much, but she was a big time script doctor. That's what I was saying. Yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. And so for those who don't know what a script doctor is, a script doctor is someone who is hired by the creators or studio or whatever to kind of beef up the script yeah. in some way. Do punch ups or, yeah. or dialogue passes or it's things like It's like you're looking at like. And they get paid a lot to they do, do that. Because basically they're, they're getting paid to not take credit for the work. And that's a big deal. So they get paid to just, and they can work on it for months. And a lot of times, hey, we need someone to beef up the female pers- right. perspective. So they'll hire a female writer. Or we need someone to. We need more of a. We need more comedy, like more jokes. We need as so we hire a it, joke. Yeah, that writer. happens a lot in comedies, especially like broader comedies. They yeah. they want the you know joke punch up. Or, yes. You know, um, but I mean, like to to be that guy that or that guy or girl that they call and be like, hey, I need you to punch yeah. this up. Like that's. I mean, that's a. Good and card she to was one of the most sought after script doctors of the '90s. So she started rewriting some of her dialogue on Star Wars after her co-star Harrison Ford kept changing his. And so she started kind of writing her stuff, and then That's I think shocking. And then That's Luke, and then I think Lucas eventually let her do an episode of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, interesting, because of her stuff on Star Wars. Um, but she was a script doctor on such films as Hook, Last Action Hero, Anastasia, Scream Three. I, I, I'm, in my heart, she wrote all of Parker Posey stuff, um, <laughs> Coyote Ugly, and Sister Act. Uh, and she would wow, like, yeah. And so not only that, it's a wide it's range. It's a wide of range, yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's like big studio yeah. films oh yeah yeah yeah. um and she's in scream three briefly she's she's uh she's uh oh in her like counseling or whatever no oh. no it's not that it's when she um they go down to like find the headshot or like stuff of 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 uh sydney's mom or whatever and and she's like she's down yeah she's down in like at a desk and she's like yeah I was up for that uh Princess Leia part but the <laughs> woman who slept with the director got it it was was the joke. Um, <laughs> but see that's what was great about Carrie she write that first album. Oh yeah exactly. <laughs> um so Fisher would later say it, it was one of the most fun jobs she ever did as a script doctor. Oh was that was the, was this was the oh, wedding singer and she would work on the script I, I read for like six months is wow. what it said. And she was told to add heart, strength, and determination to Barrymore's character. Um, Fisher's version of the film, however, was a little different than the final version. Instead of Glenn being kind of Julia's cheating fiance, he was actually just her boyfriend and a seemingly okay guy. Um, I'll touch on something about that later, but yeah. I, I think that's an interesting angle. Yeah, I, I think that's because I think there was this when, when like the kissing scene they have. I think he actually walked in and saw them, and he was like. That's whatever. Like I'm, like that's my girlfriend. Like I'm not afraid of losing her to you. I don't think that's gonna happen. Right. Um. And so the initial ending of the movie was uh, Julia and Glenn leave for Vegas to go get married, but Robbie is not on the plane. They get to Vegas and Julia realizes herself that this is a m- big mistake. 
and breaks up with him off. It doesn't show the breakup, but it's, just, it's like it cuts. she leaves him at the. She she basically yeah, she she ends it with Glenn, and so she's at a bar in Vegas when Robbie shows up and finds her, um, and they either sing together or he sings a song for her. It wasn't grow old with you. Yeah. Grow old with me yet, but the, he sings. They sing a song. Interesting. Um, once Fisher would do a pass in the script, Sandler and Judd Apatow would do an uncredited rewrite as well. Um, it seems they would add the bar mitzvah scene, um, <laughs> the love stinks section, and a good bit of the airplane sequence. Interesting. Um, that st- does feel like an Apatow kind of uh, rap the, rapper on. Yeah, the bar yeah. mitzvah stuff yeah, and yeah. everything, uh, and the love stinks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently their initial can't, or, uh, I assume during this time they would change with the character of Glenn to be more of a dick. Um, apparently at one point, I don't know how true this is. Cause you, you hear a lot of names with people of like, this is, they wanted this one for that. And who knows? Um, but allegedly they, they, they wanted Jim Carrey for Glenn, which would have been, when it was still kind of this other version of the character. So. Or more I don't, like I think a, it's probably the other way. I, yeah. I couldn't see Jim Carrey playing this like dick if like i could see him being like if he's the boyfriend of just like right. oh, yeah and yeah. and you have this comedic foil in some case to sandler i mean i think that would have been a fun like yeah. pairing the, them two because oh, sandler yeah. is like kind of more of a sh- he, he's kind of more of the straight guy in this movie like, yeah. it's, it's it's not like he's not he has moments of outburst sure, but, he's, but not, he's not like necessarily doing his voices as no, much no, no 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 not at all yeah. Um, but they also thought about uh, Christopher McDonald, who played Shooter McGavin and Happy right. Gilmore for Glenn. I could see that. They thought about John Cryer. Oh. Um, they they thought about Matthew Broderick. And I can see that. they thought about Charlie Sheen. could definitely see that, could especially see in the 90s. They eventually cast Matthew Glaive uh, in the role. Some other, other possible casting what-ifs from early stages. Um, Betty White was apparently rumored, was talked about for Rosie the Rapping Old Woman. That eventually go to Ellen Dow, um, uh, and while Barrymore landed the role of Julia, some reports say that there were other names tossed around for this role. I don't know how true that is because it seems very like she was involved very early on right. with the process of it. But names that were reported um, were Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lopez, Nicole Kidman, Lori Laughlin, and even Pamela Anderson. Whoa! So. Not sure how true that is. But finally, with the script ready to go, they begin production in Los Angeles, and that leads us to favorite scenes. So, David, what is, what's one of your favorite scenes in this movie? Um, well, let me, okay, because I want to go in, like, order. somewhat order. Yeah, let me, so let me. Uh... I mean, first, I'll say this first off, Steve Buscemi. Sure. It's Which his character's name's David, by the way. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he's awesome. Right, Pop. He's not all perfect, you know? Remember that night in Puerto Rico? Well, well, I, I mean, think... I guess they're prostitutes. <laughs> I don't remember paying. Uh... <laughs> I, you know, like, I know Steve Buscemi is lauded, but does he really get his due, man? Because, like, you know, like, he... Just the range. Yeah, yeah. The range... <laughs> <laughs> and because he gets mad and he's like playing the guitar, he's like, "Yeah, no lessons, thanks, Dad." <laughs> but I mean, they kind of pay that off at the end when they he's do. There. It's actually yeah, a good payoff yeah, yeah. where he ends up being the wedding singer at their at their wedding. Right. Um, but I love when he's just when he's at the bar and like the way and then and then Robbie Sandler does the kind of speech of like, "Oh, like I know, looking into y'all's eyes, like you guys love each other and you you, you guys feel that loneliness void." And, and Bushim was just like, "God, it's a great wedding singer," <laughs> or whatever he says. Um, but yeah, I love I love kind of the opening wedding where it kind of establishes yeah. Santa as this hopeless romantic and is 
it's like weddings are his thing. And I think the uh, him getting like that scene of him getting stood up at the altar. I think he uh, he it really shows his chops in that scene. Because yes. he's, he's like holding it yes. in, and then he goes into the, that's. <laughs> I was re- I was rewatching it a little bit today, and yeah. that was the thing I noted. I go, oh, this is punch drunk love right here. When he walks into the he when he's like when when she tells him he goes just just give me a minute right and he walks in like to the thing next where it's like there's just a mirror i guess probably his like he's like changing getting room. ready room yeah he's just like it's okay buddy it's okay and then it cuts them outside and it cuts back in he's like he's throwing the mirror <laughs> yeah. but I also, I also, it's that building anger is, right. is the thing um and then i think the uh i think we were talking about this a little bit earlier but the scene between him and uh like the first scene between him and um I guess you would call her his ex fiance at oh, that point. Oh, Linda. Yeah. So the, 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 the scene where they first like talk right after the, the she stood him up. <laughs> he's he's doing the he's doing his you know his build to. I wish the I would have known that yesterday. <laughs> but I also love in that scene the kid his nephew comes out. Oh yes, it's perfect. And the, his delivery. Of, hey Elena, you're hey, a bitch. Hey Elena, you're a bitch. <laughs> he's like, thanks, buddy. Go inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! But no, but I think I think not only that, like the the humor in that scene, but I think it's an interesting moment that I wasn't expecting, like yeah, from that from the you know the scenes leading up to that. Yes, like I didn't I didn't think that I thought that moment would come later. If that makes sense, what of him of him of them like not because not really reconciliation, but like the, having that I mean, conversation. Yeah, is she re- she's coming to say like, hey, I should like ba- kind of it, explain myself, I guess. But it's, yeah, you know, it's but excuses, again, but, and that's the yeah. uh, and that's his reaction. like yeah. this would have been great to know yesterday <laughs> before I showed up at the wedding right and you weren't there yeah but I love again but again I think the, that same the same previous where he's with his brother-in-law and with with Sammy yeah and and like Sammy calls her calls her a bitch hey man don't don't call her that like it's gonna be awkward <laughs> yeah we get back together and it's gonna be weird between us like, yeah. so so don't say stuff like that again I also love that Billy Idol is playing on the TV he's like hey, can we turn that off yeah it's like white wedding <laughs> um but I but I uh, I do love the brother-in-law in this because it's uh, Frank Severo who's a yeah. C- Carbone and Goodfellas and I always think yes. of the you know, we'll take the coffee to go and he actually like starts to take the, no it's a joke we're not taking the, <laughs> <taking> the coffee <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah he uh, yeah he's great and he he has a, a few good moments with with Sandler yeah um, he's got he, because that was the interesting about like '90s Sandler they, even in like the small like bit parts they always found interesting actors you yes know? yes they did um because he was just like a, a He's 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 Italian. He's legitimately yeah, yeah. Italian. Right, right. He's from Sicily. I mean, he's um, great in Goodfellas, uh, even though he has very minimal lines. Yeah, he's great. But uh, but but I love it. Yeah, when they, when he's just like, yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, she does a little dance for me. And <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like trying to console him in like yeah. the only way. And he then knows he just starts how- revealing like their sexual life. Yeah, and then he just go when they, when Sam's, when Ry Rock's way. He's like, I don't know why I say that just now. <laughs> Um, and that is that's one thing that feels very like Sandler and Apatow. I think is like those those like moments where it holds weird, on a character yes. at the end of a scene, and they kind of have one more one liner. Yes. Know? Well, it's also yeah. that's that's this the Sandler thing and, and Apatow. Yeah. Like the the weird. And this is where kind of the unevenness comes yeah. in sometimes. Is where like it's like it's like the old woman, right? Like with um with Rosie, where like the stuff's really great, and then we have the meatball bit, right? And the meatball bit goes on for a while. Yeah, and it just feels kind of out of place. Yeah, you know? I was yeah. like, wait, is she insane? <laughs> like, is it she's just seen, is she senile? Is that what yeah. it is? Like, what's the what's the bit here? Because because he's doing it for free. I he's think doing he it for reveals free. later. Yeah, 
And it's just, he's doing he it out of the goodness of his, his heart. heart. He gets paid in meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I'll, I'll raise you three meatballs. I'll raise like, you three meatballs. Um, but I do also love the scene uh, where he's in bed and he's all heartbroken and he's listening yes. to The Cure. The yes. boys don't cry. And But but I think that's a sweet moment between him and um, and Alan Covert's yeah, character. Yeah, Sammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they... Uh, it kind of reveals their like buddy duo, it, yeah. And it's not just him kind of being like the sleazy best friend because there's some care there, you know. I mean, even though yes. the, it, he does say, "I'm just want to get, get your," uh, he says something vulgar in that scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but again, yeah. But again, I think like those scenes are what like in, like endear you. He's endearing. Sure. Sandler is it, endearing. Kind of humanized, humanized, humanized him when like, it's you have this again when when the kid draws the picture. Well, he, he like. Does like the devil ears over Linda? He goes, ah, don't do that. It's not me, but good work though. Like it's like <laughs> he's still trying to like have hope or whatever. Right. And then again, the laying in bed, listening to the Cure, yeah. and then and then just I think probably one of the most perfect scenes in the movie is when he does the wedding. Yeah, and it's <laughs> first he's singing, oh dear. I live in my sister's basement. <laughs> <laughs> it cuts to the dad who's just like, what the hell is going on? He's like, I paid for this. This is wasted money. Right. And then it's like, and then <laughs> talking about the building when the guy's like, hey, hey, you, you, like, you, you suck or whatever. And he's like, he's like, sir, I have the microphone. And you won't <laughs> listen to what I have to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and of course, he sings "Love Stinks." He loves stinks, and he's just. Oh, I also love that he's like pointing out different people at the wedding like, that are yeah. never gonna find love. <laughs> Big Gun, table forty-six. Yeah. <laughs> Lay the sideburns, table thirty-eight. Right. Yeah. The, or the entire table of twelve yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I weirdly at one point we talked about Limewire recently. At one point, I had Louis just that section. I had just that song and listened to that. I don't know why, because I thought it was, I thought that scene is whole, so hysterical when he's just like, um, he's like, I hate you when he's talking to the couple or whatever. Yeah. Well, that was one interesting about LimeWire. They would take like songs from, yeah, from yeah, the movie. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, I, heard, I just got that snippet. Yeah. I don't know why I downloaded it, but I had well, that. Well, I think it is on the soundtrack, though. Yeah. Uh, well, I had that I wonder one. How the, I wonder how it plays on here, though. I haven't listened to it. Yeah. I, I had that one, and I had the, uh, you, huh, to me. <laughs> But it all was bullshit. Yeah, the, I love the. Well, we'll probably we're just giving ahead to that too. Yeah, but yeah. I love when he goes. I was listening to the Cure a lot when I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's one thing we should touch on. Like this soundtrack has like all, all everything you expect great. of like the From sad 80, boy, yeah, like new wave bands. Yeah, new wave, like <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you got like you got New Order. You know when they go to the club. Yep. Yep, Sign of the Furs. Yeah. Oh yeah, which I love that song, Love My Way. I've been yeah. listening to that. All these we got the Smiths. Smiths. Yeah. yeah, Smiths are played. Yeah. <laughs> I was not cure lately. But no, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. But the Love Sync section is just perfection. Like, cause that's like you're that's like perfect Sandler. Right. Where it's the like just like he's he's so down the dumps. Yeah. And he's gonna let you know it. Right. And he's gonna release all well, I think this anger. Even, I, I I wrote this quote, I don't remember I think it's in the scene. I want them to be miserable like I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Holiday. Um But yes, we had that I, scene. Did, did we skip the meet cute? We did skip the meet Okay, so I do like that scene a lot because I because again it, this is a very Sandler touch. He's going outside to help this kid help that's kid throwing throw up. up. Yeah, exactly. Again. And it leads to the meat cute. It's this yeah. it's the it's the like save the cat type moment right. where like his job is to be a wedding singer. But it's kind of their twist on it. Yeah. Thing. It's like it's it, the job is to be a wedding singer and the song's almost over. Oh, but he's I don't want the kid to throw up in front of his parents. 
And he goes off and lets it throw up. And I do like the Boy George thing. I think when, the Boy George when he keeps singing, he keeps singing the same song. Yeah, because he doesn't that's know what the only do. culture club yeah, song he knows. <laughs> and and I love when when Sam walks and goes, "Yeah, get back in there." They're really turning on George in there. <laughs> <laughs> Because, because like it's funny because like he does it and then he like he kind of looks around. George does it and then he, and he um, they just go, go they, he just like waves to the band and they go right back and they go back into it. And there's a dude in the crowd who goes, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's a very sweet moment when they meet right. at the bar and they start talking and then yeah. and kind of the the absurdity sometimes around the the um the when they're talking about like oh you're kind of like the Incredible Hulk you help people and but again it's like references like that that kind of help set the, the the time period yes you know and that, he's referencing the show he's right? referencing the yeah, show yeah, yeah. but let me ask you this because that's a good kind of segue is there too much eighties in this movie interesting do I think there's too much eighties I think that some of the costumes go I mean, but again it's like it feels like part of the bit yeah some and, of the costumes and also, are a little got put in perspective yeah, yeah. here. Nowadays, this is a big thing. We're like, right. let's set it in the eighties. Like, yeah. it that's been a thing since the late two thousands. Right. But this is the sh- this movie. You could, I think, we talked this with with our friend Derek. Yeah. This movie feels like the beginning of kind of that, that retro trend yeah. of riding nostalgia. Because Ebert said he's like, he goes, this it's not even a decade past the eighties right. yet, and it's weird looking back at this time of the nineteen eighties. Um, but this I mean, is like, kind of the beginning. That's of like it. making a movie set in the 2010s now, you know. Yes, it's yeah, it's yeah. very similar. Yeah. Um, but it's it's we, fascinating to see because they talked about how they didn't realize it was like it was that big of a deal because like we were still in the 90s, like right. no one really was making an 80s movie, and now that's kind of yeah. a. But I, I do see that point. It's like, are we far enough removed to make a yes. comment on this? But but again, I don't know if it's necessarily making comment on the eighties. I feel like it just kind of said in the. 80s. But there's a lot of jokes. Sure. That because Vice did an article that was basically saying like, you, this movie would be really good if they stop trying to make you remember that set in the eighties. Interesting. Because and I watched when I was watching this time, like, oh yeah, there's right, there's like every scene. Yeah. Has some sort of like. 80s joke in it and sometimes they land and sometimes you're like what am i talking about it's like it's like when it's the one bit it's when they're talking with one of the the wedding vendors and um i think you guys will be together like uh woody and mia and and bert and lonnie and uh donald and ivana and it's like basically referencing all these people who have been divorced or broken up since since the movie came out or since that that time period or like it's uh like when Christine Taylor's like messing with the Rubik's cube, she goes, "Oh, no one's ever gonna solve that," and throws it away. And sometimes that works, but then there's like there's just a few where I'm like, "Do we need it every single right, right? Like, right. do we need this?" When Glenn's like, "Guys, I just bought a CD player, it yeah, costs yeah. seven hundred dollars," right? And, and she's, she's like, like "Let's play a record." record? Yeah. And he and like it's funny, but then I'm yeah. just like, "Wait, but do we need it here?" Right, right. And there's and it just kind of happens like every saint, and sometimes they really work. I know there's one that you, one of your favorite ones. Yeah, the, the Van Halen. That, yeah, that's a good bit. but that's like I mean, it's later. But yeah, take she, off my take off my Van Halen. Jinx in the breakup. Yeah, the Jinx in the breakup, yeah, the break up, <laughs> and they did that exact same year. Yeah, but I mean that was building. The, that's building. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, like, well, the David Lee Roth. And, no, 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 I mean like the the yeah. breakup of the band was yeah. building. Like, yeah, yeah, the, okay, uh, yeah. And Eddie Van Halen were were beefing for a while. Welcome to our Van Halen section of the show. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but so, so sometimes it's a little too much, and you might not need it fully. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And I do wonder. I, I mean, I think we, I mentioned this off. Mike was like, I, I wonder if some of that was an executive like, like we need. They need to know what's yeah. made. Or, I or think they're gonna get it. Or it's just it. Can, it can, or, or is it them just spitballing, like throwing in a, everything in a room, can at the like, wall? Yeah, what's some yeah. 80s jokes right, we can make? Yeah. It's like because if you look at Stranger Things, they don't really necessarily like make jokes at it. It's like no. things are just kind of. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff there that I think is very funny that's true. It's like Christine Terra wearing like all, like the Madonna right. outfit. He's like, oh, with those things, I can't. I'm like, Madonna. He goes, that's the point, silly. Yeah. And, and, and Alan Covert's it, dressed as like Thriller at one point. Thriller. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, Michael yeah. Jackson yeah. at one point. He's like, dude, lose the glove. You look like a weirdo. <laughs> um, and I do like, I, I, so, but that's all kind of yeah. true. Oh, and the Miami Vice outfit. Miami Vice was my that, favorite one. I did love that. That is one of my favorite ones because yeah. he's dressed like Miami Vice the entire but, time. But do, do, I don't know if. I mean, her commenting on it is kind of funny, but like, I th- I think it would almost be funnier if she, if the sister, Christine Taylor, never commented on it. Yeah, and we just kind of notice it. You just kind of notice yeah, it. Yeah, well, she she's like, uh, <laughs> there's a bit, and they're at like the the engagement party. Yeah, which and, is also a great scene. And yeah, and she's like, she goes, oh, you don't want, you know, and and that night my advice comes on. He goes, summer reruns, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, I, I again. I love that when they have the bar mitzvah. Yeah, scene. the bar mitzvah is great, and I love the the kind of one of the jokes is there's only I gotta find more gigs. There's only four Jewish families <laughs> in our town. Um, but but I, I think their chemistry there kind of starts to build a little bit, yes, even into that kind of the next finally, few scenes. The next few scenes, we kind of yeah. get this montage of he decides yeah. to help her out with the wedding stuff, and he goes with the, that wedding vendor's like, oh, I know you gave them this deal yeah. and this. Um, and I like that they're doing the kind of brother sister bit. I think it really shows their like yeah. ki- their chemistry. Their chemistry yeah. yeah. Um, but then I have to. I just the next scene after yes, this. Yes, yes. John Lovitz <laughs> in this movie <laughs> is fighting to DJ to me is, dance like me. Yeah, it, to me is pure perfection because you either love John Lovitz or you don't. And in this movie, Shakan, when he just yeah. gets done. <laughs> well, I. I <laughs> I have a, my note was like, I kind of want to see, like, I don't want it to replace this movie, but I want to see a rivalry movie between Jimmy Moore and and him. Like, dueling wedding singers. Should I think Linda? (laughs) Uh, He's like, find a DJ that can dance. This. (laughs) And the end of the song, he's just like, oh my God, he's insane. (laughs) And I'm reaping all the benefits. (laughs) And that slow curtain goes. Oh man! But yeah, no, I love again. I, and Sandler, I love it when he's just like when he, the song, his song that he plays um, about Linda. I wanna get show. <laughs> uh, yeah, you want to me? Yeah, yeah. It all was bullshit. <laughs> but I do. I mean, I think it is kind of. Like, yes, it's hilarious and like he's, yeah. he's you know heart wrenching pain right there. But it's it like is. it is kind of a sweet moment because you in Drew Barrymore's reactions to to uh, yes to it because she, she can oh see like God. the sweetness in it. You know? She's yeah, yeah. She's she's like she because that beginning part it's yeah. very sweet and talking about how he loves her yeah. and then it just changes. It's kind of like all right. <laughs> well, because we we did mention like he was saying he listened to the Cure a lot, but we didn't mention that he says I wrote half the song before before we yeah before we broke up and then I have after we broke up. <laughs> Um, but then this leads kind of into that montage to uh, yep. "You Make My Dreams," yep. which is a great montage. Mm-hmm. But I always think of Step Brothers when I hear that, like, because oh, really? you, you know they do that the "Let's Be Best Friends" montage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're doing yeah. karate in the garage to, to the same song. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a great montage. You can't go wrong with with Hollow Notes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's great. And they're testing the cake out and all yeah. this stuff. So and I do, then, I do like the club scene. I think that's a good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like a rom com setup kind yeah, of thing because yeah. they're on a double date. On and a double date. We all we know the real love. 
situation going on, yeah. you know, but it's, but my question, my story question is this, do you think that she's faking being sick or do you think she's, she just got super drunk because she was kind of in this situation? I think she got super drunk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Cause I kind of read it. The first time I kind of read it, they were faking being sick, but then I was like, but then it's like when they take, when he takes her outside, she's kind of, she's I, really like, messed yeah, up. I think she's, I think she is jealous unknowingly jealous I think right. it's like a subconscious thing subconscious yeah, yeah, yeah. she's jealous that Chris because after the kiss she's like oh I think I'll go out with him she goes oh right. really why would you do that yeah because she doesn't want to see and even the next morning she's kind of questioning like oh what yeah, happened because she, know, yeah. she knows how her cousin is right. she knows what will happen when they go out they're going to go out and probably have sex and and she'll he'll probably fall in love with the cousin and she's like I'm marrying this Miami Vice love mm-hmm. like, like Miami Vice dude who is in the stocks like he's in I think he probably watched Wall Street he's like I want to be Gordon Gecko. right um but uh, and then also it sets up an important dynamic where where he finds out about um he finds out about Glenn Glenn's cheating yeah and he calls cheating. it what is it grade A top grade choice a top, top shelf right there or whatever <laughs> yeah um, um and then obviously and, meats. and then this is where the love my way, well the first time the love my way plays yeah but I think it's interesting because what they do uh, uh auditorial is like the that song's playing and then. He he pulls up. He opens his car. That song and, takes and over. My advice yeah, song right. takes that over. That takes over. And, <laughs> and then the it goes DeLorean. back. <laughs> and then it goes back to the psychedelic first song. Yeah, when he drives. It's, with, it's yeah. so, that was yeah. funny. But I, I, I and I also want to mention the the moment. So after, after like uh, he takes um, what's the what's her name the character's name? Uh, he takes Holly home. Holly, with yeah. Christine Taylor, and she kind of has that realization that, that he likes her. Right. And I think there was a few ways that could have been played. Yeah. But I think Christine Taylor, and you know, obviously, you know, it was probably a directorial choice. But I yeah. think I think they played play that scene in a really interesting way. They do, yeah, because it, it could have been more of like a jealous thing. No, as and to she like, just goes, "Oh my god, I right. never." I, and then she, and then, but it's like she when she when she sees it, it's like one of those things. Once you see it, you can't unsee right. it, right? And everything begins to make sense. She goes, "Oh, yeah. you're in love with her, right? Right? Everything checks out now. Yeah, this is why you're like this way at the bar." This is why you're, uh, yeah. uh, um, the kiss that they happen, which I like that they actually bring in the very, I mean, it's very kind of this type movie. They bring in the grow old with me song. Right. Um, oh, I didn't even notice that. Interesting. Yeah, they do. Interesting. It's an orchestra version yeah. of you, uh, yeah. uh, grow old with me. Interesting. I didn't, even um, I, I do, uh, uh, uh Backtracking, but I love that at his wedding, uh, in the beginning, it's the they have no one stop believing, it's funny, uh, but yes, no, but I think, I think, um, I think that's a really interesting moment that I didn't really expect for this movie, yeah. Um, and I think also, I, I wonder how much of that is on the page for Christine Taylor and how yeah. much she's bringing to that role because a lot of times she is the butt of the joke in like yes, some of the because scenes. she's yeah. kind of your cliche 80s person, right? Like, Glenn is the cliche male version, yeah. She is the cliche female version, and they're both foils to of Rob, the other two, Robbie, uh, Rob, and, yeah. Robbie and, and Julia. But you have like, she's wearing like at every scene, she's like she's wearing a Madonna. The next thing, she's wearing like um, Olivia Newton-John. Let's get physical, like like the kind of workout mm-hmm. and, the, and the headband. Oh, in the next this, morning, yeah, the yeah, next yeah. morning, like yeah. she's kind of your typical like I'm hitting every '80s fashion trend that was popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that next morning, she's kind of playing it with 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 Julia, like. She's seeing if that it's she going, has right. yeah. feelings, and I think she kind of sees it there yeah. too. Um, but no, I like that. But yeah, that, but then later when it's like he's realized he's kind of like I'm not the one because he has that moment he goes to see her, 
Well, no, he, he asks him at the bar when he has uh, with Sammy, and Sammy's just which, like, and I've had a very similar conversation to this oh, in really? real life. Which so like it was like really awesome. Were you wanting to be Fonzie David? No, 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 the other way around. Okay. I, like some guy was like opening up to me and being like, okay. yeah, because it's like. You know, he was the kind of guy in college. He was like the play, he had the player persona, right? And we all were like, "Man, how do you do it?" Uh-huh. And then one night he just like opened up. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not happy, man." Like, and I was just like, "Whoa, I didn't expect it." You know, okay, I yeah. thought he was like happy, but and but he and, and Alan Covert has a great delivery there. He's like, "All I really want is someone to hold, hold me, me and tell me everything is going to be okay. all right." Yeah. And you know what? There's fact. That's truth to that. It's truth. Yeah. It's yeah because. Yeah, I know they were really big on like that. I think Sam said he wanted to be like a pro love movie, right? Like pro love and pro marriage, um, but yeah, it's when he's like, he's like, yeah, he goes, but I love like, what happened to Fonzie? You're right, right. He's the like, show's got canceled. He, he goes like, I don't know, I think Fonzie wants to be a director now, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, the show's got canceled, man. Um, nobody wants to see a fifty year old Fonzie, Fonzie hitting on, on chicks. <laughs> but it's interesting too because the love my way comes back in that scene, mm-hmm. and I also love that the. The old guy in that scene, it feels like a very Sandler bit, but he just keeps uh, chirping in one-liners. Yeah. Like he wants him to hold me, and he comes and holds him. Yeah, yeah. But he goes, uh, <laughs> goes uh, they say something about, like, what, you know, what, what do women do? He's like, they'll rip your heart out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then, but then I, I like that kind of moment when he goes to see her, and she's she's in, in the room wearing the wedding dress, and right. she's... And it's a good like kind of like it's a very rom com moment, very rom com yeah. moment where and it's the the misunderstanding. That's a key in a rom com is a misunderstanding of some kind. And in this case is that she's up in the, the attic and she's looking in the mirror of her in the wedding dress. She's like, "I'm Julia Gulia. Oh, I'm Julia Gulia." <laughs> Which I gotta admit, that's a pretty funny bit. It's pretty funny bit. Like the, the, name is the name. And she's freaking out, and then she just says like, "I'm Julia Hart," and yeah. then she becomes super excited. But all he sees is her and in the wedding dress. he's walking up, yeah. and he sees her in the wedding dress, excited, thinking she's just super excited to get married, and I can't ruin that for her. Um, and then leaves, and then he meets Glenn again, and Glenn and Stephen Brill are there, and they're there, like, with a bunch of girl ladies, yeah. and they're going to go. See, this is where it got a little too much for me. Like, it's you a little know cliche. I mean? It's yeah, a little, yeah. like, just, like, he's he's a massive douche, and, like, yeah. it's a lot. It's I thought this time, too, I was like, this feels like a lot of this, and it... it there's uneven moments where it's like the comedy, like that stuff is so outlandish and so right. cliche. And, and it's, it's like, it's we, very we, charming. we, we, we already kind of know where he is. We didn't really yeah, need we didn't that need extra. Yeah. Like we know he's a cheating a hole. Yeah. Like, and we know that Robbie's like, you know, heart, heartbroken and you know, down yeah. in his dumps. But I do love like right after this, it goes to the how soon is now uh needle drop and, yeah. and the, the Smiths. And that's when he runs back into his ex. Yeah, his ass, yeah. And you had the Van Halen yeah. bit. So there's one thing I do want to mention. I, I think the third act is very efficient, yeah. but I wonder if there's maybe one too many beats. Uh, okay. Yeah. It just feels like it's all, because it's like, it's not that the movie's like slowly, not that it's just like a lot of things happen in quick succession. Okay. In, in, the, in these last Cause you get, few, like. she get, yeah, yeah, she goes to the old lady's house. He's not working anymore. She goes to see him. Linda's there. She's upset. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Linda and Sandler, and they keep going back and forth. Yeah. Um, but I think when he gets the airplane sequence, it's great. I think nothing is wrong for the rest yeah, of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I really think that like, it's just great. Mount Billy Idol's fun. Billy Idol is, so is good. hysterical. Um, is that Billy Idol? Is that Billy Idol? Oh my God. I, one of my favorite bits in the scene is, uh, I, th- I think it's one of the passengers asked, what's the mile high club? And oh, they yeah, just cut to this shot. Billy Idol's like, Billy Idol, yeah. it just smiles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, that, and it's that great kind of reveal because it, they do a good job of like 
they're flying, but you don't really think they're on the same plane. Right, right. And then it's the reveal they're on the same plane yeah. going to Vegas. Right, because like, he gets like the last minute he first gets class. He last minute flight. So yeah. you think like he's flying, like he's the flight I do right love the hot them. towel bit too. He doesn't realize yeah. like. He puts it, like, yeah. he, he's about to eat. <laughs> and then he's like, and it's like, how much is it for the champagne? Oh, it's free. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's, I love, again, the endearing part of his, of yeah. Robbie and Well, it kind of makes you feel like he's an everyman. You know? That too. Yeah. But then when it gets to the end, when it cuts back and he's telling them all the story and they're just and I was like, oh God, what a dick. Like, everyone's so invested. Because they they see that Arabi is so this hopeless romantic yeah. who who really loves her and they all want that and it's that great bit when they realize that they're there and they're like oh god it's the payoff for the great a uh, choice great, meter because he says the meet. same thing he says the same thing to the stewardess and you realize that this dude has the same damn lines every yeah. time yeah. Um, and and then just that it's a sweet moment where like when Billy Idol gets on the he's like we are first class passenger. Wants to sing a song to our coach passenger band. We we let first class do whatever they want to. <laughs> and then it shows, and, and it doesn't show him when he starts singing, which is nice. Right. It shows her, and she's listening, and she's like, because he's listening to the Billy Idol thing, and she kind of she hears his voice, and then she has like, I can't, like she has like a look like, is that Billy Idol? Um, oh, because she's also reading she's the magazine, reading a Billy Idol, yeah. my, uh, Rolling Stone thing. Yeah. But you hear Sandler's voice come over the intercom. And her her eyes just light up and realizes automatically that's Robbie. Mm-hmm. And as the girl old me comes in, uh, she's reacting to it. And then the curtain opens and he's there singing and playing guitar. And she's like about to burst with tears, yeah. basically. Um, because he wrote the song for her. Wrote the song yeah, for yeah, her. Yeah. And, and she's hearing it for the first time. And, it, and it's a line because she says, I want someone to grow old with. Right. She says that earlier in the movie. So he t- he was listening to her. Um, about it, and then Glenn, wake, I do like Glenn wakes up, and every and now like everyone, everyone in the first class, the people who work there, just like want to get rid of this dude right. and want these two people, these two young people, to succeed in love. And the one, the 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 steward or the 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 uh, um fly attendant pushes the the cart, the guy, and yeah. he's just like, I have to serve the snacks or what? I have to serve <laughs> the drinks. And then he climbs over people, and, and Billy Idol's doing right. the other one, and it's just the nonch, like get out of the way, Billy. And he's like, oh, so, and he pushes them through, and they lock him in the they the lock him in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just a sweet, endearing, uh, charming like moment. And he's like, after all that, he goes, I don't know if I wrote that song about you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I figured. Um, but yeah, it's just it's 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 all not, uh, and the other like that random guy's like, can't talk to Billy Idol that way. Or yeah, he's like the Billy Idol fan. Yeah. Billy Idol fan. Um, but no, I, I love that whole ending. I think it's like that. Yeah. It's an uneven movie, but I think those moments of 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 charm really really bring it out. I, I agree. Um, and, but but I am interested in like a parallel universe idea. Like I don't want it to replace this ending, but I am curious to see how that Carrie Fisher what Carrie ending, Fisher what it, ending what, is what it, yeah. because it actually gives her more agency. Her yeah. more agency yeah. because she makes the decision to leave him, right. still thinking that Robbie is, is with, with Linda, right? So it's but it's is that this movie? You know, like again, yeah. it's in a tonal line that it's writing yeah. the entire time. It's yeah. at the end of the day, it's still an Adam Sandler movie, right. and he has to be this person. One of our first-class passengers would like to sing you a song inspired by one of our coach passengers. And since we let our first-class passengers do pretty much whatever they want, here he is. Carry you around when your arthritis is bad. All I wanna 
So, onset life. So, when it comes to the production of the film, it seems this was a labor of love in many ways. Both Barrymore and Sandler said on separate occasions that they wanted the film to showcase the importance of love for the audience. And being as most of Sandler's friends were involved in making this movie, it appears there was a lot of love behind the project of like, of like we're getting all of our friends together to make a movie. It's like Sandler and his buddies, honest to God, are like one of the best examples of like, let's go up together yeah. and make movies. So, and I think that's really sweet and like... Uh, it is. Where yeah, he, yeah. he brings people up with yeah. him. And he's, lo- and, he's, and he's loyal to him, too. It's not yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. like he could have easily just blown up and left them all behind. Oh, like yeah. He, 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 yeah. It's like he yeah. brings all of his college buddies right. yeah. to just go And make even movies. in like the, you know, Audis to, to 2010s, he still has that still, group, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's still yeah. very same yeah. He has, he creates a very family atmosphere. Right. But director, and I'm sure that's why people also enjoy working with him, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. But director Frank uh, Corsi said that at one point when the executives left the set, they all, all the crew and all the guys looked around and seeing all their college friends on set and thinking to themselves, are they just going to leave us alone to make this? <laughs> um, Unheard of nowadays. Like, what? <laughs> um, and it seems Barrymore and Sandler had a great time working together with Barrymore. And I think it shows on screen. It does. Yeah, it does. With yeah. Barrymore saying that Sandler was always making her laugh on set. And maybe few, they are cinematic. Uh, yeah. Base. And so a few things on the, on the stories in the airplane sequence uh, for the Billy Idol cameo. Idol initially didn't want to do the movie. What? Um, but once he found out his son was a big fan of Adam Sandler, he was convinced to appear in the film by his son. Idol would later say that it ended up being a very smart move for his career since he gained such an, a big genera- new generation of fans from yeah, I didn't even being think about the that. wedding singer. Right. Um, for the Grow Old With Me song, Barrymore wouldn't let Sandler sing the song to her before filming. Anytime he mentioned it, she told him not to tell her what he wrote in the song. She wanted to hear it for the first time when the cameras were rolling. Wow. So her reaction in the film is her f- initial reaction of hearing him sing the song for the first time. That's awesome. Um, and she said she would do it again in Fifty First Dates when he would sing uh, Forgetful Lucy. So aftermath. Not much on set life. Um, when it came to testing the movie, the filmmaker said it was the first time audiences wanted to see more scenes of someone that wasn't Adam Sandler. They said that when they tested Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, audiences said they didn't like any of the scenes without Sandler in them, so any scenes without him were cut. But for The Wedding Singer, audiences loved Drew Barrymore and liked seeing her perspective in the film. Frank Corsi said, Drew elevated things for us. The scenes with her and Christine, the scenes with her without Adam, were all great. You look at the first movies we did, and there's not a lot without Adam because we did test screenings, and they said, get rid of that scene. But this time with Drew, we were able to do that and have those scenes survive to the, to the movie. Um, initially, the Wang Singer was to be released in the fall of 1997. Oh, but New Line realized that it might be better to release the movie around Valentine's Day. This ended up breaking what would have been a five-year streak of having a Sandler-led movie every year from 95 to 2000. Um, instead, 1998 saw the release of two Sandler films, the other being The Water Boy, which came out at the end of 1998. So in November, basically, one did that one football season was the plan. Makes there. sense. And it was a direct, also directed by... Yeah. Frank Corsi, yeah. correct. Uh, the film was released on February 13th, 1998, just in time for Valentine's Day. And while, while many critics praised the sweetness of the film and, the San- and Sandler and Barrymore's chemistry, many criticized it for its uneven tone. Roger Ebert gave the film 
one out of four stars. Wow. Saying the script feels like it was written by Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> man, okay, I got to give it to Ebert, man. When he had some stingers, he had some stingers, bit, man. Wait for Jeez. this bit. Wait for this bit. Ebert also really lays into Sandler saying the basic miscalculation in Adam Sandler's career plan is to ever play the lead. He is not a lead. He is the best friend or the creep or the loser boyfriend. Wow. He doesn't have the voice to play a lead. Even at his most sincere, he sounds like he's doing stand-up, like he's mocking a character in a movie he saw last night. Man. That's a that's a dude as an dick. actor, if I read that, I'd been I would crushed. Quit. I would that's a big dick. And then he Especially he, for somebody like Ebert. He, but I, I do wonder, did he reevaluate his career later? I don't know. Or, yeah. I, don't know. I, 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 I wonder what Ebert would have thought of Uncut Gems, to be honest. You know? No, I'm <laughs> serious. And, and, what do you think of Punch Trunk Love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Trunk curious Trunk about Love. that too. I'm just looking at star rankings. So I don't but know. I think, you know, there were times where Ebert kind of realized, like, oh, this movie, I'm not saying Wedding Singer, but I'm saying, like, some of Sandler's other comedies. I feel like there were times where he realized, like, oh, this isn't for me as an audience member, you know? Um, he gave Punch Rank Love three and a half stars. Oh, there you go. Um, he says, there's, what new, is Sandler, though? there's new Adam Sandler on view in Punch Rank Love, angry, sad, desperate. In voice and mannerisms, he is the same childlike love star of Adam Sandler. We see him in a series of dim comedies, but this film, by seeing him in a different light, encourages us to look again at those films. So right there, he says it. Yeah. Um, give it a director and a screenplay that sees through the Sandler persona that understands it as the skies of a suffering outsider. Sandler reveals depths and tones we may have we may have suspected, but couldn't bring into focus. So that right there kind of says, right? did we misjudge Sandler? In the moment, yeah. In the yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, so maybe he gave it two stars. I don't know. Um, but not all moviegoers listen to critics, as we know, uh, because the film opened to $18.8 million on its opening weekend, wow. only being eclipsed by the holdover of... 98? It's, it's, it's currently out right now in a re-release. Oh, Titanic. Titanic. Mother... <laughs> James Cameron. 25 years later. Uh, <laughs> the film would eventually gross $123 million worldwide at the box office against a budget of $18 million. Yeah. So it actually made its money back technically oh, in, the, in the opening weekend. Wow. I am curious, though. Did Titanic get a, a boost it did. during that weekend? I yeah, did, I figured. It did, it yeah, Because um, I think it came out I think it came out the end of 97 is what it yeah. was. And that ran for a year. I mean, right. I, it was still in theaters when it came out on VHS. I remember that. Yeah. It was still in theaters then. Well, I just love that the Titanic had the double VHS. You know. <laughs> yep. Yep. Had that. Um, this would make the first make it the first movie of Sandler's career that showed he had massive box office appeal in both the U.S. and internationally. While Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore were successful, they didn't do well overseas. Wedding Singer did well overseas. Oh, wow. Um, this would become apparent even later in the year when The Waterboy grossed $190 million worldwide. Wow. And you think because like a lot of times comedy doesn't translate, you nope. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the film's 80s nostalgia would be a hit with audiences, especially when it came to the film's soundtrack. The Wedding Singer became one of those rare movies that had such a popular soundtrack, they released a second volume yeah, the yeah. soundtrack because it's on Spotify. Yep, it would end up it end up uh, going two times platinum. The soundtrack. What? Yeah, I mean it's a great soundtrack. That's just yeah, crazy. Well, I mean because I wonder like in the nineties you're like did, when have we had all these new wave songs together? Yep. And like a <laughs> um, when looking back on the film, it would end up being a pivotal moment for everyone involved. After a few failed movies, Barrymore would have a streak of box office successes with films like Never Been Kissed and Ever After. Um, it would establish Frank Corsi as a comedy director in Hollywood. He would eventually direct Waterboy. 
Click and Blended for Sandler, along with several other Kevin James movies. Um, Blended being the third between third movie between Sandler and and Barrymore. We talked about Crazy Stupid Love last week with with Gosling and Stone. It's like this right. new pairing, but I think sometimes we forget that Sandler and Barrymore are kind of that similar pairing of a of a Hepburn and Tracy, if you want to say. Um, and we've seen them kind of in different eras of when they're younger going through marriage a little, little older in 51st dates and then blended when they're married with kids uh, or divorced with kids at that point um uh let's see alan covert who played sammy the limo driver would eventually become one of sandler's go-to actors but also his one of his go-to producers on all oh, of his I didn't films know that. interesting um acting in many of them um tim hurley would write yeah, countless scripts with sandler yeah. um most recently i think hubie halloween was one of them i mean he basically has been working with sandler for 40 years that's insane to think about. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, the college close to yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah, like since yeah. the, since basically the mid '80s to yeah. now. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then after this, okay, um, but would be most important to Sandler himself with the box office success proving Sandler as a movie star. Sandler would be given more creative power with each of his films. After this, Sandler would serve as Sandler would serve as producer on the majority of his films. The Waterboy being the first one, and with the and with the success with the success of The Wedding Singer and The Waterboy. Sandler was able to create his own production company, which is now known as Happy Madison Productions. This would be another family affair since Sandler's brother, Scott, actually runs Happy Madison Incorporated, which is the parent company to Sandler's production company based out of New Hampshire. Um, When asked on the Drew Barrymore show by Drew Barrymore, she asked him which film best represents who he is as an actor. And pretty much without, without really hesitating, he says, well, he says kind of a story that leads up into it, but it's The Wedding Singer. That's sweet. He said, "There's this. Mo- he goes, There's one movie I made with this young actress. <laughs> we met at this place and at, at the newsroom, and we just started jamming on this movie. And that movie was The Wedding Singer. And here's the thing, and that begs the question: even with its unevenness, even with all that, is this the best representation of the range Sandler can do as be as an actor? Oh wow! Okay, because it's it's yeah. one of the few movies." So I think he's right with this is that it represents everything about him where you have that charm, you have that sweetness, but you have that anger and you have the you goofiness, ha- you have the goofiness, yeah. you have the slapstick, you have the depressed, depressed character, <laughs> you have the underdog, you have everything yeah. that came before and after. It's not, it's not say dark and twisted as uncut gems, sure. but you have that passion from hustle or whatever you have that need to be loved from punch drunk love. You have all these things that I think some of his career, some of his career that are in this movie. And so I think while it might not be his best film, um, I think out of his comedies, his like strict, this is a comedy. Um, it probably is his best film in that regard. Um, punch drunk love is kind of, a, I think more of a dramedy is a I'd thing. Agree, yeah. Um, but out of this kind of slate of all his comedies, this is one that I think it opens the doors for things like Punch Drunk Love sure, or sure. Funny People or whatever, because he is playing a more straight character than he is in the previous mm-hmm. films, and even a more straight character than he is in Big Daddy. Um, he there, you really it really captures the pure charm that he has as an actor right. in this movie. So that's my view. No, that's a very definitive. I mean, that's a very uh, strong argument. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Okay. I can't. Uh, 
can't argue against that. I was pretty well spoken in. We'll find out next month when we do our <laughs> full Sandler filmography. <laughs> um, and that leads me to the question: What worked about this movie, David? I think I think you know uh, we've gone over a lot of like the rom com beats it hits, mm-hmm. but I think it does a good job of of not only like nailing those beats and giving you kind of what you want from this kind of movie, mm-hmm. but even sometimes it kind of twists them a little bit as as we've d- discussed. So I, I I like that it it's a rom com, but it doesn't. It doesn't adhere strictly to formula, even though it does still deliver what you want out of a rom-com, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Um, and their chemistry is fantastic. Yeah. And and for better or worse, uh, the 80s stuff is fun. Right, right, right. I think it does. Some people, like, it's, it's it starts the trend of 80s retro, like, retro nostalgia but, but or did, whatever. Did it really, like, when, when you when I say think start, I mean, like, like a bunch of things immediately swam in its yeah. way. You know what I mean? What was, I feel like a, a lot of movies didn't, like, immediately hop on that. What was the, anyway. they had, the, what, it was the idea of not just nostalgia for 80s, but nostalgia in general. So they commented on uh, the 70s show came out the same year right. as, as The Wedding Singer. And there was also kind of freaks and geeks was around sure. this time. So you're seeing, which also Apatow's Apatow, involved right. in that. Um, so you're seeing kind of shows that are now looking back on a specific period, which that's that's a thing. Like I know when we did when we I took my '90s class at in school, like '90s film, is that all the films we kind of picked for '90s cinema were looking back back at a specific point in time. Sure. And I think we're coming in the millennium. It became more of a comedic approach of looking at stuff in the time. Like most of it, like dramas, like like Confidential or JFK, and this and and, and making comments on the current on that, yeah, yeah. on what's current, culture in terms of political, and social, a, or whatever like previous time. But I think because when the eighties came in, pop culture became more prominent in people's lives, sure. and I think by the late nineties, people aren't fully looking at the political and social culture of things. They're looking at the pop culture is, is the thing. So that's what I think comes in at that late eighties and this late nineties. And this is kind of one of the first ones to really do it. And again, for better or worse, that's what it is. And yeah. you have things like wet hot American summer right after this and all these different shows and movies that come out there looking back at this kind of period. Mm-hmm. And, but is that also some time the creator looking at, yep. you know, they've gotten mean? older, right? Yeah. It's like there's a reason. Because like if we look at nostalgia pieces in regards to like coming of age stories, a lot yep. of times that's the the creative. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's lady. It's I mean, the example yeah. is Lady Bird. Right. Lady Bird is Greta Gerwig looking at her time in high school right. in the early two thousands. Oh, we look at the Fablemans. You know, yeah, Fablemans. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. You, you always look back at a period. So if it's Belfast, you're welcome. Um, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but yeah, uh, did anything not work? Uh, I oh, so the Glenn character. I think I yeah. I, I think it's just one too many. Same thing over and over again. Right. He's a bad guy. And I'm not saying we should go as far as to like just make him a normal dude because then that kind of makes you question. Although that that might be an interesting dynamic. I don't think that's the movie, if that makes sense. But yeah. I, I don't think we need to be beat over the head. Like that, it just, I think it really is that final scene where he's like with all the girls he and it just feels, him. it just feels, and he, he keeps digging at him and it's yeah. like. That's why Neil Homie's an ass. Right. Yeah. And it's like, we don't, we, we know it. Yeah. I mean, if you make him good, it's like it ends up being like a Nora Ephron boyfriend. Right. If it's like Greg Kinnear and you've got Mail or Bill Pullman and Sleep in Seattle. But I think it kind of becomes, becomes a different movie a little bit, you know? It does. Right. It does. Um, um, but yeah, I felt that. I think. I, I just, uh, 
my thing is like it just feels a little one note. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think some. I think it just goes a little too much in the goofy slapstick humor. Yeah, sure. Um, and like that's you mentioned what, the meatballs. The meatballs. And I'm like, why are we doing this? It just, and, the, and she hits um when we first introduced her, which it, it does kind of what you to your point earlier is like it does kind of make her endearing. But she literally hits like one of the dudes on top of the head with the tray, like when we first yes. introduced her. And it's like, you know, it's like some of the slapstick bits like that. I, yeah. I, I don't think that moment doesn't play, but there's some slapstick moments. And that, there's there's yeah. like weird exposition moments for like. I just moved here and he's never going to marry right. me because we've been together for two years. It's like certain very specifics. I'm like, I think we don't need this. Or yeah. he's like, when, or Sarah's like, oh yeah, you think you're going to do well for your, for your, uh, um, 50th wedding anniversary. I was like, why are you saying that? You know, it's, yeah. anyway, that's, and then one moment I, this was, this irked me and I don't know why. And it's not that big of a deal. This is very nitpicky. There are some very weird ADR moments in this movie. That's fair. There are three, I'm going to say the three specific ones I heard, and they're kind of early on. They're not later in the movie. It's the first time, which doesn't bother me as much, but it's when he does the wedding speech and saves the stuff from Steve Buscemi. Um, And then he walks by, you just hear people go, good job, wedding singer. Way to save the day, wedding singer. And I'm like, why are they saying that? Um, well, I think I think because sometimes with ADR they're just trying to fill a gap. Yeah, they are. You know? But it's and like he's just walking. I've done something. Yeah, because yeah. he's not reacting. Or right. He's just walking. And they could have just had music play. Yeah. You know, like yeah. And then when he's walking off, he's walking when the, when she doesn't when Linda doesn't show up at his wedding, he's walking off. You hear like I don't think she's coming. Is she not coming? Right. Like and I'm like, why are we doing that? And there's a terrible one where like you actually see the person speaking, but I was like, that's not that kid's voice. <laughs> it's when it's when it's at the. Uh, the bar mitzvah and Julia is going to pick. Oh, the kid, yeah, the a siblings. kid, yeah. and you hear a guy, pick me, Julia, pick me. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's not. And I'm like, that's totally not that kid. <laughs> that voice is not match. That, that yeah. voice is not match whatsoever. Also, and why is the looked, kid going like, pick me, Julia? Pick me, Julia. Like, pick he goes, me. He goes, pick me, Julia. I'm good. It'll be good. Play, please, please. <laughs> and I'm just like. This kid sounds like he's yeah. in like a closet you somewhere. You know, made that play if if Adam Sandler had done the like Pick the, me, Julia. <laughs> no, like done like a kid's voice. There, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pick me, Julia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that would have played better. I agree. But no, I, 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 I no. It was just I was yeah, just like what feels out of place. That did that did I did take talk of that too. Like it didn't like irk me, but yeah. no, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I, know, yeah. I think you mentioned earlier there's yeah. some some kind of humor stuff that doesn't really land as much. Yeah, and I don't necessarily period. mean like things that would be considered offensive nowadays. Other than I think there's a couple. There's a lot of like, but but. But there's also just moments that I don't think, like, land. Like, what, it's a very style of yeah, comedy yeah, yeah, yeah. of this time period. There's a lot. I didn't realize the thing. There's a lot of grabbing ass in this movie. There is. That old dude grabs her. Like, it, again. Old dude grabs her. Old yeah. dude grabs her. Old woman grabs that guy dancing on the oh, floor at the right. beginning. Yeah. Kid grabs Drew, Drew Barrymore on the dance floor. And then you got Glenn always wanting oh, to, yeah. To, yeah. to grab ass basically yeah. the entire time. I did not realize that until this moment. I was like, wow, there's a lot of grabbing ass. In this are references to right, um, God, um, yeah, and there's and like there's weird, just like awkward moments, like it cuts. There's like it cuts like an old guy when he's like on the dance. He goes, "I do more than dance with her or whatever." Right. Yeah, it's, it's, just, like, it's just we. It's yeah. yeah. It's but it's old people. It's like weird old people humor for yeah. this period. Yeah, I, it's it's don't land as much. Um, I don't know how I feel about boy. Well, I'll bring this up later because I actually like I I like uh, Alexis Arquette. I don't want to discredit. I think sometimes the reaction to Alexis Arquette's like boy George impersonator isn't perfect. But I think do you her mean like in the rail? It's it's yes yes. I know what you mean. It's, it's like the, it's, the audience reaction. The audience reaction feels, sometimes yeah. feels like it's trying to make a joke right. out of because they're like laughing at her. Yeah, it's but it's it's a weird dynamic. Yeah, I think performance is great i think it's a it's 
I think what's nice about it is that the band doesn't make like her different basically. No, no, no. They're, they're um, like they're seriously like, oh, we're doing a Boy George impersonation, yeah, and we're yeah, gonna yeah. like give it our all. Like, and yeah, and yeah. They're, they're friends basically. Yeah. But again, and, um, it's, and it's the '80s too. It's yeah. like that would be a popular thing. Well, yeah, too. But I love the band. It's like it's that. It's 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 Boy George impersonator. Um, it's it's a it's a black guy on guitar. It's like a kind of a leftover like heavy metal yeah. hair band and then like an old dude on drums right. it's just a weird it's a group of people it's a wedding band just like <laughs> I'm like do these guys Disparate. hang yeah, yeah these guys hang out like what's what's going on here um, like how do you meet your band members back then you know yeah it's, <laughs> so, it's so funny <laughs> um, but yeah that's kind of the day not work um, no I agree I agree about that point it's just weird it's like, I, I, and, yeah. and, and Ebert I kind of give him credit with this he's like you have this boy George impersonator but like we don't really know anything about mm. them outside of them being a boy George right. impersonator yeah Scene. But I, but again, I love that second one when it's the bar mitzvah and they cut out the the lead into do you want to hurt, hurt yeah. me? Just like does his head down, comes up, do you? And just yeah. it's just a great kind of comedic beat and it cuts away. Um, anyway, but film facts. So there was a wedding singer Broadway musical. Yeah, because there's a behind the scenes on the DVD. Oh, uh, that. about about that. Yeah, okay. I didn't watch it, but yeah, it's yeah, like, 2006 didn't run for long, but I think it was nominated for like. Several Tonys um, is what it was. And Sandler gave his breast blessing. Tim Hurley um, wrote the uh, the book, co-wrote the book for it. And um, I put the music and lyrics. Um, other facts. Where's my thing? Um, at least six of the actors in this movie appeared in Friends. Whoa. Christine Taylor, Angela Featherstone, uh, Alexis Arquette, Christina Pickles, John Lovitz, and Brian Poson. I don't know why I was surprised by that. It seems six. pretty, pretty common uh, in the yeah, 90s, yeah. but six is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. But they're all like probably like small, like one off yeah, yeah, type yeah. things. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing. I'm, I'm not saying with this guest, but like with Seinfeld, too. Like, you, yeah. it happens all the time. Like, rewatching episodes, I'm like, wait, they were in Seinfeld? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen much of Friends. I. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't know, but you're not you're not a friends guy. I can tell. No, the only times I've seen friends has been in my dentist office when I was a kid. Mm. The the it was always the same dental hygienist. She would just say, every other dental hygienist would ask you, "Hey, what do you want to watch on TV?" <laughs> but she would just leave it on Friends. And so, so I've seen like three or four episodes of Friends because of that. Just because of interesting. that. Interesting. Different story with that is that my barber, he was an old guy, old man, uh, played Mash every time I was there. Really. On a small TV in the corner, Mash. I don't know what channel he was on. <laughs> Mash was always because he used to play on playing. TV Land a lot. Yeah, I, like. I but it's Mash every time. I swear to God, <laughs> I swear to God. And it was like it's it's such a because I still have just a vivid memory of his barbershop because no longer there. It was just like a hole in the wall barbershop. Had two chairs. Yeah. It had this old Coca Cola machine in the corner, and above it was a small TV. That was always playing yeah. match. I feel like isn't that like a staple of barbershops of that era? Yeah. Because I feel like my barbershop also had a tiny TV. Yeah. Although we had another one that was cool, but it was like a chain one, uh-huh. and you could play N sixty four while you got oh, your haircut and, and and PlayStation. And what's insane is that he had two chairs. He was the only one that worked there. Really? He had two barber chairs, but he only used like one. Um. But yeah, I yeah, Mr. Manley. All right. <laughs> um. Well, he must have seen Mash many times. He saw Mash. Is it the entire series? Entire time. Before uh, you could just binge it. Yeah, yeah. my mom will like that story. Um, so, uh, boy, I said Alexis Arquette. Boy George actually loved Alexa Arquette's performance. That's awesome. He he, he yeah. thought it was hysterical. Um, Sandler said there are no sex scenes in the movie because he's terrible at sex. Is what he always said. 
I don't know if it's a joke or not. He's like, that's yeah. got to be a bit. He's like, yeah, I was really bad at when I got younger, and I, or when I was younger, I thought I'd get better, but I never did. I mean, there's two sex scenes in Funny People. Yeah. So yeah. Oh wait, do they show? Maybe there they don't show one. them. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is the one. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I saw that with my mom. And that was awkward. But oh, yeah. also, she didn't realize that the movie was two and a half hours. And she's like, I got to go pick up Colin or my brother. She's I like, go. She's like, I got to go pick up my brother. So she just left me to finish the movie. I didn't realize that about the Reptile movies. <laughs> um, uh, the butterfly jacket that Barrymore wears throughout the movie is actually her own, or her, was her own jacket. Of course, he saw her wear it one day and loved it. And that became like part of her outfit in the movie. Um, it's kind of like, like kind of like, uh, not bedazzled, but it's kind of like a design yeah. of a butterfly on the back of a jean jacket. Um, Ellen Dow, who who plays Rosie, had never heard a rap before before she did the Sugar Hill Gang wow. rappers' delight. A hip hop, a hip. I had that. On, I had that downloaded too. Oh, there you go. Um, she nailed. I gotta give it to her. She nails it. She nails it because she never heard about. She never heard a rap, but <laughs> yeah. she nails it. She she passed away, I think, in 2015 at the age of 101. Wow. Yeah. All right. So awards, the Beatrice Strait Award, actor, excellent scenes that kills it. I think I know who you're going to nominate. There's several yeah. here, though. I but, will say this is yeah. actually the most difficult yeah. one here. Are you, are you going to nominate Love? It's I have somebody else, but are you going to nominate? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out some names. Yeah. I my, I mean my 100 my like my pick is Billy Idol. Okay. So so <laughs> there's Billy Idol. John Lovitz, <laughs> um, Alexis Arquette, and uh, Steve Buscemi. Those are those are the four. Yeah, we you don't want to throw a fifth in just to have the five. What's uh, the fifth one? No, I just mean like just to have the five, like the Oscar. You know, Oscar. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll throw on a fifth one. Um, um, I mean, Frank Severo is pretty damn. Oh, funny. he is. Dude, I would throw him actually in the mix. Cause like again, like that moment you, me. the moment you reference where yeah, he's talking yeah, about she, the, does a little dance for you sometimes. Yeah, she thinks it's just in my nipples and everything. <laughs> like, why I tell him that? Because <laughs> um, he plays it straight, like you yeah, expect and he does. it. Yeah. It's great. So uh, those are the one. Oh yeah, I, again, I love Alex Arquette as as George. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny. Uh, and just does a great impersonation of boy George. It's just kind of a, yeah. Again, a funny thing on that era. I wish there was more of her. Sure. So that's why I think she doesn't really win that one. Yeah. Um, but I think to me, I think it to me it's between Billy Idol and John Lovitz. Yeah. I mean, my, my vote's Billy Idol. Although John Lovitz steals that scene. I I, think, I wish, but I wish he'd come back. I mean, I don't yeah. know where you fit him in the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? I, but I, yeah. I like Steve Buscemi coming back and like right. playing playing yeah. that again. Yeah, because that's been, a good payoff. But, but it's I like, did, where do you bring John Lovitz? Yeah. Back, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm finally picking Billy Idol. I'm gonna go with John Lovitz just yeah. because I, I think about that scene so many times, and I think he just pulls it. He has so many lines yeah. in that. I mean, that's the hardest I laughed both times yeah. was that scene. Yeah, both times I watched. Just like, <laughs> did you even do that? This it was because like they just he just like shows up on set for a day, right, and they just let him loose. You know? Yeah, that's, yeah, literally <laughs> probably half a day. Yeah. <laughs> hey, John, yeah. we're just gonna have to come in do do this song. Um, yeah. Oh man. Uh, Lovely ladies, <laughs> single ladies. Oh man, he's a single. Oh, John Lovitz. But I really, you know what? If I lived in the nineties, I would have pitched that the the movie of Jimmy Moore versus versus um versus uh, Robbie. Yeah. Like a, just a all a, a, a rival wedding oh, singer rival. business. Yeah. yeah, that's a TV show right there. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, dude. What if they like re, re- rebooted it with them? Okay. Yeah, and then they made a TV show. Single lady. 
single baby mm, sophisticated mama come on you disco lady save me that mama yes it's lady Okay, take four, everybody. Hey, uh, Jimmy, that was that was really good, man. Thank you. Hey, no, thank you. For what? For quitting. Or should I thank Linda? My business has tripled. Well, you've just inspired me to hire a DJ. So thank you. Oh. Well. Good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. Amy Potts, X Factor Award, supporting actor, actress, that is the most memorable. I'm, I'm gonna go Christine Taylor. Yeah, because I, I think she the makes thing. the most of of that role. And again, I, I you know I don't want to speak to the script, especially knowing yeah. now knowing that there was like multiple people doing passes. But I, I wonder how much of that was on the page and how much was that uh, I, a directorial and her choice. You know, I, I like both her and Alan Covert. Mm-hmm. I think they both have nice little arcs where I think, I mean, in my head, they end up getting together. Right. That's what ha- that's that's kind of my head canon because yeah. you kind of see it later. I'm just, oh, that's sweet of you do that or whatever. I think they wind up together by the end because I think they're both people who have a little bit of facade. Yeah. In some right. way, um, and then it comes down. But I think she has she's. So they both have really good moments. She has the one moment where it's the yeah. oh my god, you love her, and then and you he has the, the moment in the bar, and he has the moment in the bar. Yeah. I think hers is more interesting because she's she's it's more it's more funny because she has that bit, and then she goes, he goes, is that all that she's interested in? Like like money and this? She goes, oh, it's what everyone's interested <laughs> in, <laughs> and whatever she says. Um, and then she, but she still kind of all, she still kind of sees what's happening and then she's kind of unsupportive of it like right. as it goes on yeah but and she, she's also the one that gives him that exposition that oh they left for vegas you know, yeah. yeah and absolutely they yeah. go to the airport yeah. <laughs> he's just like he's like let me borrow your credit card yeah. are you gonna pay me back no and then he gives him the credit card. oh that's so sweet well, he says he'll tell everybody what he said at the bar yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay here's a credit card oh, that's so sweet to you but no christine taylor i think yeah, yeah. and then with Alan Covert second place. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, and but again, they both serve they both serve important points in like the being as being foils to the. Yeah. But they also, I think, make the most of the, of their roles I as performers. I agree. I th- yeah, yeah. So we'll go with Christine Taylor. So did anything happen with Robbie last night? <sighs> kiss. Who kissed who? Did you kiss him or did he kiss you? I kissed him. And then what? Nothing. I'll tell you, he sure doesn't think much of Glenn, though. Really? What did he say? That Glenn's a jerk-off. <sighs> Why would he say that? I mean, who knows? Maybe... Maybe he was jealous. But don't worry. I mean, I told him why you were marrying him. Why did you tell him I was marrying him? Well, because you love him. And... You know, because... Because with Glenn, you'll have security. But that's not why I'm marrying him. Then why are you? All right, Gene Hackman MVP Award. Uh, person who wins the movie. Actor, actress, director, writer. I'm going to give it to Sandman. I think it's Sandler. Because I think not only uh, is it the performance itself, but I think he, he kind of 
He didn't direct the movie, obviously, but he yeah, brought yeah. all. He, it feels like he kind of brought feels, all these elements together. Yeah, you know, it feels all these people again. Together. It's yeah. it's what I said earlier. It's yeah. what he says. I think it's the perfect representation of him as an actor. Mm-hmm. And while I love Drew Barrymore in this, and I think she's what elevates that and helps bring that out of him, I think he has just a few more moments than her to make. It's it's yeah. it's again. It's love stinks. I think that's kind of the one that really kind of tips him over. I think their girl old with me is also great. But they're both great in that scene. Right. But Love Sinks is just kind of like a tour de force of like career retrospective playing that damn scene. Yeah. Like when he's doing it. So because it's just it, it, it encapsulates everything about it's the anger. It's the the it's the a- angry comedy guy. Yeah. But with but who's not anger. Ang- it's understandable anger. Right. He's heartbroken. Yeah. And of course he needs to do this. Like. So yeah, and he has the microphone. He has the mic. I have the microphone. <laughs> I will twist this microphone around your neck. Yeah, I think he's great. So Sandler for that one. Yeah, you are the worst wedding singer in the world, buddy. Sir, one more outburst, I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You understand me? Now let's cut the stupid cake, cause I know the fat guy's gonna have a heart attack if we don't eat again soon. And while we do that, here's a little mood music for you. And Scott are newlyweds. Whoopity doo! He loves her, but she loves this guy right here. And he loves somebody else. You just can't win. And so it goes until the day you die. This thing they call love is gonna make you cry. I hate you. All right, final questions. Who would you cast if we made this movie in the actual time period that it yeah. came out in 1985? Who would you cast, David? I think I went a little younger. That's uh, fine. We'll go younger. Okay. So Robbie, I got Joan. Or sorry, not Joan. For Robbie, I have John Cusack. Cusack. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I, I know he'd be 19 at this time. Uh, I think that's what the math was. Uh, we can put it in 89. It's fine. Okay, like 88. Cool. It's fine. Yeah. But like, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, again, though the. I think taking Sandler out of the movie, it the tone changes. Yes, and especially if we go, you know, if, like, if we were become to become say anything, right? No. Yeah, um, or or better off dead, you know, which, which came dead. out, which yes. came out in eighty five. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of where my mind went. So let's okay. Let's say he's older. Let's say yeah. yeah let's we're, we're, it's we're it's all hypothetical here. Yeah. Let's say late eighties. Okay. Cool. Because so, that makes sense. Because some of these people were like in high school movies in eighty five. That they okay. Chose? okay. Okay. So Cusack yeah. for Robbie and Julia. I have Demi Moore. Because I was looking at the cast of St. Elmo's Fire. And she did a movie with Cusack, yeah. One Crazy Summer, oh, which is the same director of Better Off Dead. Uh-huh. It's a weird... Yeah. I mean, Better Off Dead is a weird movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is wait, One Crazy I've only, Summer. I, I have seen Better Off Dead. I have not seen that. One Crazy Summer is like the follow-up to Better Off Dead. And that's when Cusack, when he saw Better Off Dead, he's like, what did you do to me, to the director? <laughs> um, so it wasn't... It's not as beloved as Better Off sure. Dead. But I don't think it's bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. So then who, for Sammy, I have Rob Lowe. Again, the scene Elmore. Okay. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Uh, Holly, I did not fit, so I'm curious. I didn't. I couldn't think of anybody, so I'm curious who you would put in that role. That's the you know uh, Julia's. Uh, Screw it, Madonna. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. I think and Madonna. Then, I think. I, or you? Yeah, I think you do Madonna, or you do like uh, um, Patricia Arquette, or oh, someone. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think. I didn't. Well, let's just do Madonna. It yeah, seems, let's do I, it. I think. 
some people hate on Madonna as an actress. I think Madonna, I mean, Madonna in A League of Their Own is phenomenal. Um, so I think she could play this kind of comedic sidekick if she wanted to. Yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, and then Glenn, I had uh, Tom Wilson, who, of course, is Biff in Back to the Future. Yeah, I could see that. That's yeah. a good pick. I like that. And he's a little bit older than... Uh, yeah, a little bit older yeah. than... Who'd, who'd be Linda? Oh, I didn't have that. Uh, but that's interesting. Uh, to, to John Cusack? Okay, huh. Yeah, Linda to John Cusack. Who would be... Well, did you have people for this? Or no, I didn't. Oh. I just wanted to listen to you. Yeah. Pitch yours. Oh, Kelly Preston. Kelly Preston would have been a very... She's a very different style, but Kelly Preston could have nailed that role of like... Oh, yeah, I can, I can see it. Kelly Preston yeah. would have nailed that role. Fire hair black, maybe. Kelly Preston was really good at playing the kind of flighty characters, but was still, there was a confidence about her that was kind of fun. She was, she was funny. She was really funny. Uh, and, and she kind of goes underappreciated sometimes when looking at her work from the eighties. Does this film fit with any other genres? I, this is going to be a push, but, and, but you know, it's not my thing, but do, do you think there's any argument that it is a musical? Um, because he does sing multiple songs. The soundtrack's a very integral part. You could argue it's a it's kind of a jukebox musical yeah. in a way. You could yeah. argue that if you really wanted to. Yeah. And it and a lot of times to go with the musical theory is that he's singing songs that reflect his inner state. Um, if it be love stinks, yeah. If it be, uh, grow old with me. If it be this is bullshit. Whatever the song that song's called. Um. Yeah, it's it's bordering, and then the jukebox, the yeah, jukebox right. musical aspect of the soundtrack reflects mm-hmm. his emotional state or their emotional state. Yeah, because there's multiple the movie. points where it's diegetic as well. You know, it's not yes. just solely. So I, I would I would I would take it as a musical. Yeah. I would take it as a musical. And then obviously we would argue a Sandler comedy or like a, a, I don't know what you would call this because it's not really like the bro comedies that came later, like the more yeah. Avatar style. But yeah. it's like what would you? I guess just a ninety Sandler comedy. You know. Charming slapstick, yeah, yeah, yeah charming yeah. goofy or something right. like that, yeah, yeah. Um, and how does this film fit with the rom com genre? Well, I mean, you have some of these tropes, the kind of the best friends roles. I think we've talked about the past two movies of how there's a kind of an ending, like finale speech, but in this case, we still have that, but it's a song mm. where it's the save the day, go right. get the girl, um, admit your true feelings, uh, admit, yeah. yeah, all that. The misunderstandings that you see at the very end of like what is keeping these two people from loving mm-hmm. one another misunderstandings but even like just kind of the romantic comedy situations like the or sorry the rom-com situations like the double date double date that's a very rom-com the situation kiss, yeah the, the kiss yeah, that's a kind of the rom-com. first kiss really like, oh let's test it let's get let's yeah. church tongue um and even like the just the general setup you know like yeah you just read that 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 log line and you're like oh that's a yeah that's a it's a wedding yeah. singer who gets dumped at the altar yeah yeah, yeah. yeah rom-com hysterics ensue right um, so yeah, I think it has kind of all the, the trappings of a, of a rom-com. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's, that's the end of the wedding singer. Again, be sure to check out our Patreon cause we're kind of continuing the rom-com discussion over there. We've been doing Thomas and I doing the hall of fame supporting player rom-com hall of fame. I think Dave and I are going to do one more episode on Patreon of, uh, another rom-com to be TBD. I have an idea, but I don't want to announce it here first because we don't know. Um, but yes, that's on the wedding singer. Um, Hey, this, you don't have anything else to say about the wedding singer, David? No. I do not. But okay. it's, uh, on my background, I hope, I hope you enjoyed. Yeah, enjoyed this trip down 
eighties. No, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And like I said, that man, that soundtrack is that's a vibe. Soundtrack's bumping. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I have for this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at Podcast at Gmail. Uh, send us your questions, comments, kind words. Just you know, we need we need affirmation. We need we need love. We all need love. All we want is somebody to hold all us and tell us is everything. Hold be okay. us and tell us it's okay. <laughs> and by that way. You just write us a review is what you end up doing on your preferred podcast platform, particularly Apple Podcasts. That helps out the most. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to do so. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Cool Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And yeah, like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and TikTok. David, as always, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, man. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.